Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Are you tired of the same old pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on Powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 4,000 hours of the best pro wrestling events from over 110 of the biggest names in the industry from over 15 countries around the globe. Get your free trial today at Powerslam.tv. The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. This is Scorpio Sky, and you are listening to the Keeping It Strong Style Podcast, and it is the best. Yo, this is Rich Ladder from One Nation Radio. This is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. We present to you the Ace of Podcasts, Keeping It Strong Style. Let's go. It's the Ace of Podcasts, Keeping It Strong Style. Covering New Japan, they ready to hold it down. Jeremy Donovan and the young boy Josh. Come and hit a job out in Barrio the Frost. From Tokyo Dome over to the G1. Social Suplex is the network where we can get it done. I'm a chiller let them have it because this is just an intro keeping the strong style six stars from the get-go boy yeah from tampa bay to the tokyo dome this is keeping it strong style with your host jeremy donovan and the young boy joshua smith and thank you for listening welcome to keeping it strong style the ace of podcasts on the social suplex podcast network jeremy donovan here along with the young boy josh smith on today's show, we'll be reviewing New Japan Road and Honor Rising, as well as covering all the latest news in the world of New Japan Pro Wrestling. You can support our show by subscribing to the Social Suplex Podcast Network on the podcast app of your choice and leaving a rating and review. You can also get all the podcasts and columns at socialsuplex.com. Go to socialsuplex.com slash subscribe to sign up to get all the podcasts and columns delivered directly to your email inbox. This episode of Keeping a Strong Style is brought to you by Powerslam.tv. Powerslam TV is an independent streaming service with over 4,000 hours of wrestling from companies across the world. Use the promo code SOCIALSUPLEX to get your first month free. Check out our Pro Wrestling Tea store, ProWrestlingTees.com slash SOCIALSUPLEX. Can grab the official Keeping It Strong Style t-shirt, as well as all of the other shirts that are up there, including One Nation Radio, Ricky and Clive, and the Social Suplex Podcast Network logo t-shirt. I want to thank everybody who took advantage of the President Day sale last week and grabbed your uh, Social Suplex shirts. Still plenty of time to grab some shirts, guys, and support us. And, uh, it's going to be a nice little question to open up the show. We have. I just want to start with this. My my nickname might be the Young Boy, but my name is not Josh Smith. 
My name is Joshua Smith, and you shall address me as such. Dude, for the last 60-something episodes, I've always said Josh Smith. Well, he was Bobby Roode for a while now, <laughs> and eventually became Robert Roode. I want to be called Joshua Smith. Okay, uh, I'll make sure to update that in my, my little script there. And also, it's Gentleman Joshua Smith from now on. I'm uh, getting a sequin jacket. So, oh, wait, are you officially dropping the young boy gimmick? I'm going on excursion. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to England, and I'm gonna do a uh, I'm gonna do a gentleman gimmick, and I'm gonna be the gentleman Joshua Smith. Wow! No, nah, I'm just playing. I'm uh, not doing any of that. <laughs> well, you used to be you used to go by the gentleman. That was my yeah. That, that, that was, was your original was gimmick. Nickname. Yeah, because um, what Chris Adams? Yeah, yeah. But um, so yeah, we had a, a question here from uh, the original super kick. <laughs> From a Reddit user Zach Saber Time, and he says he's going Zach off Saber Time. He says he's going off topic. He says, "How was you guys' day, Jeremy and Josh?" Oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. How? Not only how has your day been, how's your weekend been? I haven't seen you like in forever, bro. Yeah, I miss you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this man left the territory for the weekend. He was working a different territory. Don't worry about what I was doing. <laughs> I mean. Weekend was fine. I mean, pretty much I was watching all these uh, New Japan shows, just kind of chilling, really didn't do anything too crazy. Um, today, this has been a normal Monday, work, hit the gym, get ready for keeping it strong style. Now we're here. What I will say, I can't get into the details. As Jeremy has said many times, sometimes I am reckless. <laughs> but um, if you look at my shirt, look at the light, look when I move. See all yeah, this? yeah. There's a bunch of glitter on your. What, what's what's going on there? They shall never forget the name of <laughs> Josh. <laughs> all kind of gimmick changes going on here. Now, I I can't get into it, but suffice it to say, all my clothes are covered in glitter. So take that as you will. <laughs> we'll, we'll let the listeners imagine <laughs> why your shirt is covered in glitter. Yeah. So. Um, but my day's been freaking crazy. I woke up super early, made lunch, made breakfast, made my bed like a good little boy, got out, went to work, worked super hard, walked around a lake for two miles, made sure I got some vitamin D so I cannot be depressed and not want to kill myself and be happy. Um, then, I'm just joking about that, guys, but um, then I got off work and I was driving and I was like, you know what? I shouldn't really be driving out here without any insurance. That's kind of reckless. <laughs> so I decided to go get some insurance. Uh, got my insurance. Uh, paid the gimmicks. They worked me. <laughs> like always. Like always. But I got them to put me over eventually. Um, after that, came home. Hit the gym. Clinging and banging. Styling and profiling. I was walking around the gym. Doing woos. Doing the, the Jackie Fargo strut. People are looking at me weird. Came back in here, blown up like I'm the ultimate warrior. <laughs> and uh, grabbed a shower um, and ignored all the people messaging me so I can bring this incredible professional live audio to your world. So it has been a hectic, hectic day. I'm still in an anabolic state right now. I'm like sweating. I took a cold shower and everything. Like, it's been crazy. Yeah. And, dude, there is so much to uh, cover this week. You know, I was getting, preparing for the show, getting the rundown in order. 
um, you know, about an hour or so ago, but actually two hours now, uh, putting everything together, I was like, man, there is a lot to talk about, all the news, all the results, all the questions, so yeah, we're going to have a jam-packed show for you guys I'm not this ready. week. I'm not ready, <laughs> but that's why I got this porter, this nice porter here, keeping me company, shout out to Zach Porter. His namesake. <laughs> and uh, yeah, bro, let's get into it because there is a crap ton to cover here. Yeah, so New Japan Road, we had that show on Thursday of last week. It was Iska's retirement show. Um, you know, Iska was featured in the big main show event. Show of the year so far. <laughs> show of the year so far. I, I think Iska might be uh, wrestler of the month. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely he is. Bro, he's contributed more just now. Than any other wrestler has in I don't know how long. Yeah, man. Tanahashi who? Jay White who? Okada. Yeah. Okada. Yeah, get out of here. Osprey. Bro, it, here here's my my contributions list goes like this. Just being edged out is Okada for getting rid of those pants, and then right above him Iska for ending his own career. Those are the top. <laughs> two. There's because those are the two greatest contributions that anyone has made. To the sport of professional wrestling and to New Japan. Yeah. It's awesome. <laughs> All right, so let's start, start this off real quick. So we had uh, the opening contest, Taiji Ishimori teaming up with the returning Robbie Eagles. They defeated the team of Jushin Thunder Liger and Yuya Uomura. I'll tell you one thing. I like that new Katana Bullet Club shirt. Yeah, that is pretty cool. That's a hard shirt. It's over at uh, ProWrestlingTees.com. So, yeah, that is a pretty cool shirt. And, uh, you know, this match was pretty much all about building up um, Ishimori versus Jushin Liger for the anniversary show. Um, and it came down to uh, Robbie Eagles. He hit the 450 on Uemura. Yeah, uh, solid contest. Good opener. Everything you would expect here. Um, I thought Robbie Eagles looked good. Um, but, again, nothing to, like, nothing that blew my world. But... Nothing that was bad either, you know. A lot, some of the some of the like criticisms I had during the tag league, some of that's kind of gone. I, I feel like he's getting a little more comfortable working it with the house style in New Japan. Yeah. Um, but it really wasn't really about him, you know. This, like you said, this match was a showcase to kind of just build up and highlight, you know, what's going on between Ishimori and uh, Jushin Thunder Liger, and I think they're doing a pretty good job of that. Yeah. And so the next match, we had Tiger Mask, Toa Hanare, Tomioka Hanma, and Togi Makabe defeating the team of Satoshi Kojima, Manabu Nakanishi, Ren Narita, and Yota Suji. Um, Hanare ended up getting the win here um, with a Toa bottom over uh, Yota Suji. And I gotta say, I like the interactions with uh, Suji and Hanare once again. And Hanari looked really good in this match. Um, had some great headbutt spots, and just overall looked really well. Yeah, the the pace was a bit slow here. It's exactly what you'd expect seeing young lions teamed up with uh, the veterans. But um, in the spurts where you did see the uh, the young lions get their stuff in, Narita looked great. As you mentioned, Suji and uh, Hanari looked really good. And um, yeah, I I thought that this was a, uh, or I'm sorry, Hanari. Yeah, Hanari. But this. This was fine. You know, it was fine. Two and a half stars. You know, exactly what you'd expect. Yeah. So next up, we had Tomohiro Ishii and Yoshihashi. The return of the Stone Pitbull, finally. Yes. Uh, defeating the team of Yuji Nagata and Shota Umino. 
Yoshihashi tapped out Umino with his horrible-looking butterfly lock. I freaking hate that thing. How? Uh, I don't. I don't want to get into it. <laughs> um, and uh, I mean, this match. I think it was a pretty good match. Um, yeah, it was. It was good. I mean, the best parts were you know Ishii and Nagata that kind of picked up where they left off at uh, New Year's Dash. The talent that was in this match, I did have slightly higher expectations, but being slotted. Third on a cork and show match, you know, or third match on a cork and show, you, you really can't expect much more. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, Yoshihashi was getting buried by commentary. Did you notice? Yeah, that? yeah. I, for a while now, they all they for a while they've been burying, especially when Don Callis is there. Don buries Yoshihashi all the time, bro. I I think like yeah, it's weird because you always hear about how like the New Japan offices pay so much close attention to what Western fans are saying online and on social media, possibly to this show. I don't know. <laughs> um, but then you wonder if they're even listening to what their own commentators are saying because they seem to be, like, as a company, pretty behind Yoshihashi. I mean, they've showed time and time again that, yeah, they don't trust him to be a main, level, main event level guy, but they do have a certain level of faith in him that is a cut above many other wrestlers. And then their Western commentary team is, like, constantly burying the guy. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah. Well, I guess maybe the Japanese team puts them over. That's why uh, I wonder if they're listening to, like, Kevin Kelly and Don Callis and giving them direction or if they just give them the autonomy to do whatever they well, want to well, do. Well, I mean, stories that we hear from Kevin Kelly is often, like, the English uh, commentators usually get no direction. Like, they don't even <laughs> let them know when they're throwing graphics in when they're going on the air. Like, they just, yeah. like, pretty much, like, all right, like, we're rolling. Go for it. Like do whatever you want. So I'm pretty sure they don't really have any. In all fairness, I thought Yoshihashi looked fine here. I know there's people who are going to talk about how we're burying him, um, which he deserves it. <laughs> so don't get it twisted. But he looked. He actually did look fine here. He hit his uh, Western lariat, the super kick, the two things that he does well. Those are the two things that he does well. He did them well. Uh, but yeah, he did one with that butterfly lock. It was awful. Yeah, um, but after the match, we had Ishii and Nagata chopping each other, getting to his face. Yes. Both wanted to smoke. Yes. So, yeah. I'm, and I, I have a feeling we're going to be seeing that in the not-too-far-off uh, future. Yeah. And I'm yeah. excited. Yeah, dude, I'm all about that, I'm dude. excited, I, yeah. Yeah, I'm all about Ishii and Nagata running it. Um, so we have a question here from Reddit user Muzza. He Uh-oh. says, do you think Yoshihashi will eventually win a title, and if yes, which title? We've had. Do I think Yoshihashi will win a title? Yes. We've gotten this ti- this this uh, question so many times. It's funny that it keeps coming up, um, because people really want to know like if this guy's gonna win a belt or not. And I just gotta say, I hope not. I hope he never ever <laughs> touches gold in this company because the longer that Yoshihashi goes without winning a championship, the more credibility that this company has with me. With Jeremy, with you, the listener, whether you agree or not, you can't deny that this guy is a perennial loser and he should not be representing the company as a champion. This is the same dude who ran down to the ring and tripped and hit his head on the Bust his head open to the white for, meat. Yeah, he busts his head open to the white meat. He pulled a Titus O'Neil. You, do you think Titus O'Neil should hold a title in WWE? No. Same thing. No, if anything, though... I could see him maybe being a never six man champion. I well, that that I could definitely see easily. Um, I could potentially maybe one day see him as a tag holder. Mm. But if we're talking singles, 
you gotta imagine like. Well, let's look at the champions right now. So the the U.S. champions, Juice Robinson. Would you would you put Yoshihashi over Juice? No. The never champion is Will Ospreay. Would you put Yoshihashi over Will Ospreay? No. The IC champion is Naito. You're gonna put Yoshihashi over Naito? Of course not. And then the IWGP champion Switchblade Jay White. You're gonna put Yoshihashi over Jay White? No. With that being said, though, I do think hypothetically, if the titles, see the thing is, I don't think Yoshihashi carrying a belt elevates the belt at all. No. It would be an attempt to. It, ele- it would be the belt trying to elevate Yoshihashi. The only two belts I could see it, that. I would say have, he has a decent chance of ever being in contention for would have to be the Never title or the U.S. title. I don't think there's any way he touches the IC belt or, of course, not. The, I don't think he ever even challenges for the IWGB title. If he does something weird has happened, we're in bizarro land. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. 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 Uh, so, yeah, we'll, we'll see what's in store for Mr. Yoshihashi. So next up on the card, we had Sho and Yo defeating the team of El Desperado and Yoshinobu Kanumaru. Um, this was a very important match. You know, we've mentioned several times on this show that um, you know Rapungi 3K they've been chasing Suzuki Goon and been looking for that big win. Um, it, previously, before this match, it was already announced that they were getting a junior title match at the anniversary show. So it was very important that they won win this match and. Um, Stop another three away and just uh, prove that they're they're ready to be challenging for the, t- for the titles. What what were your opinions when it came to Show and Yo here? Did you see this as them healing it up, or did you see this as them trying to establish a mean streak and like a killer a killer edge? Like you know, um, I felt it was them um, trying to establish a killer edge, trying to be more aggressive, showing that we have what it takes to go against uh, Shingo and Bushi. Like we can stand up to Shingo. Like, we're, we are tough enough to handle that kind of offense. So, I think that was what was kind of going on here. So, it, it didn't come off to you at all like they were playing heel or potentially going to that? Uh, not in this match. You know, when they did the initial angle, when they stole the belts and they were cutting the promos against LIJ, that uh, seemed heelish and the crowd was booing them. But in this match here against Suzuki Gun, to me, it just felt like, A, they, they already know the shenanigans that uh, right. Kanemaru and Desperado are going to pull. And so, and then B, they just want, they want to prove that, you know, they are, they are the elite tag team in the junior division. And so they need to get this monkey off the back, knock these guys off. No games. No, there was no Rocky Romero, no play, no playing games. Get straight to business. Let's get these guys out of here and prove that we're ready for LIJ. You know, I, I agree with you and I, I wouldn't classify this performance from them as a heel performance by any means. Mm -hmm. But one thing that kind of stuck out to me. It's just something I noticed. With a lot of the, like, kind of underhanded borderline tactics, like, you know, choking guys on the ropes and things like that and being much more aggressive with their attacks. Um, Sometimes, maybe this is their inexperience, I don't know. But, you know, a lot of the great baby faces who are trying to get comeuppance on heels and they are at a point where they start breaking some of the rules... Um, because it's heated, because the other guys have, you know, attacked them in the past or, you know, there's heat between them or whatever, usually they'll play up to the crowd to get the crowd invested in what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And then they'll, you know, kind of go against their own core belief system and then start to utilize those tactics. Whereas in this match, they weren't doing that at all. They were just going for it, which is something that, like, babyfaces don't typically do. You know, if a babyface usually... 
does something that's heelish, they're gonna um, play up to the crowd to really get them like behind what they're doing, as opposed to risking the chance of people perceiving it incorrectly. I did think it was interesting that they were not playing to the crowd. Well, you know, I wouldn't be surprised. Which if, they usually do. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they do kind of go a little bit more heelish. I mean, they're going against Shingo and Bushi of LIJ, the most popular stable in New Japan. Those guys are just over huge. So, I mean, when they face off, I expect LIJ to be cheered more than Rapunky 3K. So maybe they are kind of leaning towards a heel turn. And, at least, at least for this program. And, yeah, it, it might just be for the program because it does remind me a bit of like Okada last year when he was in the program with Tanahashi the first time. Mm-hmm. And remember, he was attacking him and tombstoning him on the floor and everything yeah. of that nature. And then you know turned around and he was you know back to himself after that. So that might be what's happening here. Yeah, but it is. It is a a stark contrast to what we've seen from them in recent times. Um, but I thought this match was pretty good. I yeah, I was impressed I, with you know who I was impressed with. Kanemaru and Desperado, man. Oh, yeah, dude. I was impressed. Yeah, those guys look great. I really enjoyed this match. It's probably one of the better matches that these two teams have had against each other. It's weird. All year I've heard how people love the LIJ Juniors. Or, I'm sorry, the Suzuki-Gun Juniors. Mm -hmm. And they're so underrated. And a lot of the time, barring some of Desperado's singles performances, I didn't typically agree with that. A lot of the time I'd be like, yeah, they're very talented, but I hate their matches. Suddenly, since like the end of last year, they've just started to like put in, and I keep mentioning it, but it, it's becoming more and more prevalent. It's like since they lost the belts, they're putting in way better performances all of a sudden, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, so I don't know. I just thought it was interesting. But um, yeah, this I thought that this match did a great job making Sho and Yo look like credible threats and willing, you know, challengers for LIJ. Yeah. And um, so at the end of the match, they hit the 3K on Kanemaru. Show got the pin. Um, then Shingo and Bushi came out after the match and con- confronted Rapungi 3K. Yo dared them to get in the ring, which they did. And then Shingo laid them out with pumping bombers, champions looking strong. Yeah, interesting. Um, so then the next matchup uh, was Hiroki Goto and Rusuke Taguchi uh, defeating the team of Zack Sabre Jr. and Taka Michinoku. Um, so kind of a mixed match team here of uh, Chaos Guy and Goto and uh, Taguchi representing Taguchi Japan or Sekigun uh, or the home team, whatever you want to call it. Um, what do you think about these guys going over Saber and uh, Taka here? Um, I think it makes a little bit of sense because, um, you know, Goto had a title challenge coming up, you know, shortly after this and Taguchi had just lost you know, a big title challenge, and it was sort of like you needed to rehab them just a bit, you know what I mean? Yeah. The other thing, too, is I don't know how favorably um, Taka is being viewed in the company right now with Mm. all the controversy that's been surrounding him over the past few months because of his outside, uh, you know, um, (laughs) glitter-inspired activity. Extracurricular. His extracurriculars, (laughs) I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, so it was very interesting uh, towards the end of the match. Tagu- I, I was surprised, though. Yeah. Taguchi went for the, the Dodon. Uh, Taka rolled through, but then Taguchi rolled through that and ended up pinning Taka. <laughs> what did you think of uh, Goto and Taguchi doing the the Yama pose together? Oh, uh, it was inter- Yeah, it was, it was kind of weird. It was interesting. It's like... what's I'm kind of like, what's going on here? Yeah, what is happening? But yeah, yeah it's funny. 
And I thought it was uh, pretty funny. I saw the post-match uh, promo of um, Taguchi, uh, you know, talking about teaming up with Goto, and he's talking about how he's like, you know, he lost the title match. He's been making steps forward. He <laughs> says he's made a uh, 68 steps so far. He he has you know one more to go, which would be 69. <laughs> and then he said uh, he's like, uh, Jay White's the 68th champion, right? Hmm, what does that mean? <laughs> Uh, so yeah, Taguchi, always hilarious. Uh, I, I'm all for that. Let's put the title on Taguchi just so he can have the claim of being the 69th junior champion and the <laughs> 69th IWGP champion. Uh, I wonder how the Jay White haters would feel about Taguchi being the, the IWGP champion, being in Jay White. I don't even think you should joke about that because there's probably people who are listening right now who are like, at least Taguchi's had a five-star match. <laughs> <laughs> Taguchi knows how to work. You know what, though? They're right. <laughs> Maybe he should be. Um, oh he does need to come up to heavyweight, though. That's pretty like you know, evident. Yeah, there's those... no way that dude's 220. Yeah. Or there's no way that that dude is 220 or less. He's definitely above 220. Yeah. Uh, so then the following match, we had the dream team of the ace, Hiroshi Tanahashi, and the assassin, Will Ospreay. They defeated... Killer Elite Squad, Lance Archer, and Davy Boy Smith Jr. And dude, I really love Tanahashi and Osprey teaming together. Yeah, I, I like their team a lot. I liked this match a lot, and uh, it's been a few days. We've watched a lot of wrestling, but this might have been my match of the night, potentially. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I I mean the stuff between um between Osprey and Davy Boy Smith Jr. was awesome. Yeah, we've, we've seen Osprey and Davey Boy mix it up a couple times now, and their interactions have been good. When? I, I feel there was another match, another Suzuki Goon Chaos match, where Davey Boy and Osprey were mixing it up. Yeah, I don't doubt you at all. I'm, yeah. just try, I'm just trying to think about that for a second. I mean, with the amount of eight-man and six-man tags that we see, that would, <laughs> that would make sense. Yeah. But. Um, yeah, I thought that this I thought that this match was really, really, really fun, really, really good stuff, and um, yeah, I mean, I thought Killer Elite Squad looked like monsters here, man. Yeah, dude, they were dominating this thing. They uh, really were, you know, working over Osprey and Tanahashi. Yeah, and um, Osprey did a great job selling here. Uh, eventually, we got the fiery babyface comeback. Uh, Osprey hits the os cutter on Dayboy Smith Jr. and gets the pin. Tanahashi and Osprey defeat a established tag team. They defeat former IWGP tag champions. And we have a question here from Reddit user DomHomie101. He wants to know, what are the chances that we see the team of Osprey and Tanahashi challenging for the IWGP Heavyweight Tag Team Championships? Um, I would say, in my opinion, it's unlikely. Um, it's not that it couldn't happen, and it's not that that would be a bad idea at all. In fact, that might be the kind of thing that the tag division needs. Mm -hmm. the, the thing is, is Gatos just hasn't seemed to be too keen on putting big superstars in that kind of position because the way they book, they just really do treat the uh, tag division like a very secondary sort of thing. What we usually will see with guys like this, if history has told us anything, you know, or, or at least since you know, the Gato era, is that these guys are going to be in main events, teaming up against other main event players and, you know, occasionally against major tag teams like this. But I, when I watched this, I did not personally get the feeling that we're gearing up for some big title, you know, title run because I feel like they would feel like 
like the bookers would feel like they're wasting two top level talents in a slot that is less important for them where they could be utilized more prominently headlining you know b cards and you know being at the top of the uh, you know at the top of the card basically yeah, you know, with all the big shows New Japan has coming up this year, they definitely need need to utilize Tanahashi and Osprey in singles roles in big matches at the top of the card. So, I mean, at least for the this first half of the year, uh, I really don't see, like you mentioned, I could see them maybe teaming up in various main events, but I don't see a tag title shot. I mean, there's just too many big shows coming up. You know, we're getting ready to run to New Japan Cup, MSGs after that, and then Dominion, then the G1. Um, I mean, listen, I'm all for it. Oh, yeah, don't, don't, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm all about Osprey and Tanahashi teaming. Like, when I see these these mega teams of uh, big superstars teaming up together, I think to myself, 90s All Japan, and I, I you know, uh, get a little reminiscent, but it's just not what Gato does. You know what I mean? Right. Um, I do think, I'll say this, though. This is my hot take. I think that Osprey and Tanahashi is a better tag team than, than the Mega Aces. Ooh. And here's the main reason why. Because I feel like both Okada and Tanahashi need to be the hot tag guy. And when they team together, who's one of them's got to be Ricky Morton. And it usually ends up being Tanahashi. But Tanahashi so beaten down. And he, he's an incredible seller. So mm-hmm. I'm, not, I'm not really taken away from that. But it's like... You kind of feel like he needs to be the guy taking it easy in the tag team match and let let a young guy like Osprey, Osprey take the heat. Yep, and then you tag him in for the fiery comeback. He comes in, he gets the shine, he gets the you know the the heat, and then Tanahashi does the the, the hot tag, and it kind of works a little bit better that mm. way than than Okada and Tanahashi does, or at least that's what it felt like, and then. After Tanahashi hits his hot tag the way they do it in New Japan, they'll they'll bring Osprey in and let him play cleanup after that, and he right. does all the crazy stuff he wants to do. It's been <laughs> awesome. Yeah, yeah, definitely love this. Hopefully, there will be more Osprey and Tanahashi um, tag team matches this year. Now, here's the crazy thing: um, who won this match? It was Tanahashi and Osprey. Osprey hit the Oz cutter right. on Davey Boy. It was Osprey that hit the. That's what I thought. Osprey mm. hit the Oz cutter. That. That seems crazy to me. Yeah, I mean, they're just they're going all in on, um, on heavyweight. He- heavyweight Osprey. You know, on commentary, they mentioned how he's only you know a few pounds away from being Junior. yeah from being able to consider himself a heavyweight. Um, so yeah, I mean, they're going all in on Osprey beating heavyweights. Uh, when we saw him beat Abushi at Wrestle Kingdom, now he's pinning um, Davey Boy Smith Junior. Here, this just seems um, not to say that. In the, in the grand scheme of things, obviously, Davy Boy Smith Jr. is not seen in the same caliber as um, Kota Ibushi. You know, of course not. No. But at the same time, Kota Ibushi is a former junior champion. He wrestles that similar style, and his body size isn't that far off from Will Ospreay's current body size. So that's, like, a little believable. But in this case... Everybody has trouble with Davey Boy Smith because of his size. So to see, yeah, Davey Boy Smith, he's like two eighty five. Yeah, his, his whole goal, he's trying to get to three hundred. <laughs> yeah, he was looking like incredible. The way he was like getting jacked and everything, huge. He was getting huge. Killer, just look at him. But yeah, just look at him. He was getting no, he was getting really cut, really fit, and then all of a sudden he's like, no, nah, I'm gonna bulk, and I'm like, whoa, like. Yeah, he's, he's bigger now. Yeah, he's trying to get to that. For whatever reason, he's trying to get to 300. And, uh, yeah, I just I was like, wow, they let Osprey 
pick up the win, which I was just very shocked at that. Yeah, I was surprised. I mean, you would think if they were going to win, maybe Tanahashi would, uh, you know, high fly flow one of these guys. But Tanahashi and Osprey pick up the win here. I think I had been skeptical. Did we both pick <clears throat> Tanahashi and Osprey? I believe. Yeah, we did. But I was a little worried about Tanahashi. Yeah, you were skeptical because you know Tanahashi was hurt, and, it, and it then was, it's, it's Killer Elite Squad. It was hard for me to imagine Osprey. Oz cutting one of these guys and picking up the win, especially yeah. like Davy Boy. I would feel like it was more likely to be Archer of the two, but they're really putting over Osprey. So that's that's actually a pretty encouraging thing for everybody who's um, nervous about the direction of the company and things like that. Like they're going in on Will Osprey. Yeah, you know, there's there's a lot of people there. You know, they're like, you know, why couldn't Will Osprey be the top guys in? Like, why can't he be the IWGP champion right now? And if you look at Osprey's booking last year, I mean, the the development of his character wasn't like it would be literally out of nowhere for him to be the heavyweight champion, to be top guys in right now. That's not how the booking went last year and how his story developed. Um, you know, with his big win at Wrestle Kingdom, this is like now we're getting the story of him venturing into the heavyweight division, beating heavyweights, and becoming a bigger star. So um, you know, his he's on the rise now, and within a year or so. He can definitely, um, you know, be challenging for that top guys in spot and be potentially be the IWGP champion or a challenger. Maybe sooner than that, Jeremy. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> All right. So uh, next we had the uh, the big main event of the evening, the Rainmaker Kazuchika Okada teaming up with Toru Yanu and Hiroyoshi Tenzan. They defeated the team of Takashi Iska, Minoru Suzuki, and Taichi. What do you think about this uh, big Iska retirement match here? You know I loved it. <laughs> were you uh, were you marking out as much as you were about Okada's pants? No, I was. It was more like a quiet confidence because it didn't really matter what was going to happen here. Mm-hmm. I just knew that once it was over, it was actually over. <laughs> it was finished. Yeah, and that was such a relief to me. Like that was such a joy. Um, I can't really put it into words. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, like you and like most people, you know, modern day Iska matches are not enjoyable. And uh, yeah, I mean, overall, don't get me wrong. I know he's done a lot in his New Japan career and he was a big star, but you know, it's time for him to go. But with that being said, I must say I did I did enjoy this match. I thought it was good. I thought you know all the Iska tropes I thought worked perfectly in this match. Yeah, the Corkin crowd was super into it. They're very they into were it. all behind Iska. You no, know, even when he was cheating, and I you know I thought everything worked really well here. Yeah, I I appreciate that. I know that guys sometimes we do stuff to be funny here, and I'm not gonna lie, I don't like. Takashi Iska. I, I don't. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, I just don't like him. But there, I do like some of his matches. There is a time when I liked him. But I, with that being said, a lot of the things that I'm saying are for comedic effect. Ultimately, I thought it was pretty cool how the Corkin crowd was so respectful and so into everything that was going on mm-hmm. with him. And I also want to give uh, hats off to New Japan Pro Wrestling for taking something that really could have been forgettable and kind of insignificant and they really like did a great job building up fan interest into the storyline between mm-hmm. Iska and Tenzan and kind of turning in this into a little bit like a, a final program for for these two guys which 
you know, it's been a while since we've seen Tenzon in any kind of program either, so it's kind of cool. Yeah, and they did some great stuff for this match. They brought back um, the announcer, Shinpei Nomagami, um, who, you know, in the past, it was known for Iska would always rip his shirt off at the commentary desk, so they brought him in here for this match. He was hoping that, you know, Iska would return to normal, but... Iska came out, ripped his shirt off like normal. The the, the crowd <laughs> loved Iska oh, yeah. stripping uh, Nogami. Yeah. yeah, it was hilarious. Yeah, big spot for that. And, you know, the whole story in this match, Tenzon is hoping and trying to get his friend Iska to go back to normal. Throughout the match, he would try and get him to shake his hand, and Iska would like kind of like tease it and then attack him again. Um, he brought back another friend's shirt, even though the last one got ripped during the New Beginning tour. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so you know, it had good uh, back and forth action here, and um, came down to the end where uh, Yano he hit a low blow on Iska, then Okada hit the tombstone, um, Tenzan hit a top rope elbow drop, then he went out, he grabbed the the shirt that you mentioned, the friend shirt, the, their tag team shirt, laid it on top of Iska, and then he hit him with the moonsault, got the pin. Um, after the match, the crowd's going wild for Iska. And, uh, you know, Tenzong helps him up, and he's, you know, begging for the handshake. You know, come on, you know, let's go back to normal. Let's go back to being friends. And uh, Isco was, like, conflicted multiple times throughout this match. Like, every single time Isco or that Tenzon wanted to, uh, you know, reconcile, he would just go crazy and, like, not do it. But he was kind of conflicted. <laughs> and then the same thing here. Yeah, and then um, Isco finally uh, accepted the handshake. Crowd popped huge. We, huge. We all thought we were getting this feel-good moment. And then next thing you know, Iska starts biting Tenzon, <laughs> hits him with a chair. Then all of Suzuki-gun hits the ring, hold Tenzon up. Iska gets the iron fingers of hell, hits Tenzon, and then he runs off in the crowd. And uh, Taichi picks up the iron fingers. Uh, oh, my God. <laughs> and he teases to put them on, which got a reaction so maybe we're gonna see um, Tai Chi be the new carrier. He's of... gonna carry on the Iska le- legacy. <laughs> uh, that, that freaking aluminum foil, whatever it is, it's like a big giant thimble. It's <laughs> stupid. I hate it. Yeah, it's yeah, it's the worst. Um, but yeah, the crowd they were continuing to cheer and chant for Iska for several minutes, hoping that he would come back. Tai Chi left, and there was no encore appearance here. Isco ran off into the sunset. No happy ending. He ran off as a wild man. Oh, I, we got a happy ending. <laughs> well, there were a lot of fans. I've been hearing some complaints of people. They wanted they want Isco and Tenzon to make up. They wanted a feel good moment to end the show. Listen, this is the happiest ending that we could have possibly <laughs> hoped for. Godfather's hose couldn't give us a happier ending <laughs> than the one that we got here. Iska is gone. Oh my gosh! Actually, I got a feeling he's not gone. I feel like he, he like he's just done with doing in ring. Like I bet you, like within a few months, he's gonna be coming out with uh, Suzuki Goon, and he's still gonna be biting people and stuff. Just be a second. I bet you. I don't know. I just have that feeling. Like that's, you know, that's what it seems like it might be. Yeah. Uh, we had a question here from Muzza. He says, "What if Iska is not retiring?" But it's going to end up on the Largo Loop. Oh, that's something I didn't think about. You think, well, with the way that WWE is signing up everybody and trying to play defense against the rest of you know the world, 
they might they they might just find out that this man's contract is up and sign him to a contract. Right. You're like, all right, who can we sign from New Japan? <laughs> who, who's this Iska guy? He's retired. No, no, no. Bring him in. Bring him in. <laughs> <laughs> They, they signed Pritchard, bro. They'll sign anybody. <laughs> they signed Jeff Jarrett, bro. Like, yeah. They signed Sean Devari. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But, yeah, so. We, uh, we'll, we'll be able to see uh, Dan Matha versus Takashi yeah. Asuka. It's going to be really good. Oh, my gosh. We, we could see if, like, uh, Ricochet could get a good match at a current day Asuka. I don't even know why we're. I don't know why we're spending time on this. Cause it's definitely not happening. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Obviously, Musa was Musa was trying to rib us. So, you oh know. my god! I mean, obviously, if Iska's on a Largo Loop show, what would you do if Iska like showed up at Minrek Hall? I I don't know. As long as it's not the main would, event, would you mark? I feel like I might mark if that happened. Just because it's a guy from New Japan. Uh, I don't know, but it's Iska. Either that, I would probably mark for him coming out, and then as soon as the match started, I'd probably go to the bathroom. (laughs) (laughs) Unless he's gonna like beat up somebody like um, what's that dude's name? Uh, the Hawaiian dude. Um, Kona Reeves. Yeah, Kona Reeves. I can't stand that dude. He's Uh, good. He could be in Suzuki again. He gets heat, brother. <laughs> Not the kind of heat I want. <laughs> uh, so that wraps up uh, New Japan Road. Um, Fine show. Everything was solid in, in ring. Nothing outstanding. Uh, you know, I think this show pretty much just solely existed, you know, for Iska's retirement, you know, such as it was advertised. So, I mean, nothing really to complain about there. But, uh, you know, a road to show. Yeah. Um, so next up, we had On Arising Night 1 on uh, Friday, or excuse me, yeah, Friday night, um, the big Ring of Honor New Japan show that happens every year in Cork and Hall. Um, we had the opening match with Marty Skrull. Uh, he defeated Ren Narita, and this match, it went 11 minutes to got some time, and I gotta say, I really loved this match. Um, this was a, a great showcase for Skrull. It's been a while. It's been since Wrestle Kingdom, the pre-show that we've seen Marty Skrull in um, New Japan. And he looked great. He looked vicious. Um, he got in all his signature uh, Skrull spots in. Also had a lot of antics, arguing with the crowd and the referee. Um, but also, Ren Narita looked really great in this match. He had some great selling, great fire. Um, and was really taking it to uh, the villain here. Let me ask you a serious question, Jeremy. When doesn't Ren Narita look excellent? Oh, he always looks excellent. This man but, always looks but excellent. particularly even in this one-on-one match with Skrull. The neck bridge, bro. Oh, my, yes. The neck bridge, bro, is one of the best neck bridges I've ever seen in my life. Yes, that if, was... If anyone wants to doubt how good Ren Narita is, just watch this match, like... Yeah. yeah, yeah. The neck bridge was awesome. Um, his drop kicks are always great. Well, okay, that's the one thing I will say. Every single young lion, it doesn't matter who they are, they all throw the best drop kick you have ever pretty much seen. Like they all do. It's like the one thing that they all do with such a high level of excellence. Like it's kind of scary how mm-hmm. good all their drop kicks are. But yeah, um, very, very, very impressive showing. I feel like uh, Marty. Came in with his working boots on. We haven't seen. Oh him. yeah, we haven't seen him since uh, Wrestle Kingdom. I think he has a lot to prove, just with the fact of like, 
kind of trying to be in the main event level in Ring of Honor, plus making his return to Japan, plus maybe seeing something special in this, you know, kid Renarita. Yeah, I mean, he could have easily have taken an easy in this match. This match could have been like a five-minute opener. That, or he could have eaten him up. Yeah. He could have given him nothing, and he could have just squashed him if he really wanted to. He could have had a chip on his shoulder because they were in the opener and he's Marty Skrull and he doesn't have to be wrestling young lions in the beginning. But I think that Marty has enough understanding of the culture in Japan to realize that when you're given a one-on-one match with a young lion, it's not, you know, for for nothing. You know what I mean? Right. It, it's a showcase and you're going to be made to look strong, but you're there to help um, enhance that younger talent and really show something in them. And I think. Marty did an excellent job, and Ren looked great. I, I like this a lot. Yeah, I mean, the, the opening match on a card is a very important spot. It kind of sets the pace for the whole night. And, yeah, both guys looked uh, really great here. I really enjoyed this match. Uh, Skrull ended up getting the uh, cross-face chicken wing on Narita. Narita taps out. Uh, we have a question here from Reddit user, that was five stars. He says, watching the Narita vs. Villain match, I turned to my brother and told him how much it's going to suck not having Ren there for the year of excursion. Who is the young, the young lion you were most invested in? Ren Narita. Yeah, I mean, Narita, we've been on the Narita bandwagon for since the inception of this show. And, uh, you know, ever since we saw that Yagi match at the Young Lions Cup, uh, December 2017. Um, this guy's been great, highly underrated. Um, yeah, and I'm gonna miss him a lot when he goes on excursion. This, this is a guy that he can go out here, wrestle a guy like Marty Skrull. He can be in tag matches, six man, eight man tags. He, you can put him up there against New Japan dads, experienced guys, and he, he's gonna pull out a great match. I think it's funny with how much we always put over that that Yagi um, Renderita match. Both guys were excellent, and obviously Yagi's gone, and that is a sad, sad thing. But like, I don't think at any point I've ever been like, "This man, Yagi," <laughs> and and Yagi was great. Yeah, taking nothing away from him, but for some reason, and I don't know why, Narita's always been the dude for me. Um, now I was very invested in Oka, and I'm still excited to see what happens when he comes back. But from all reports. Everyone's saying that, like... Dude, everybody's hating the Great O'Karn. Everyone hates the Great O'Karn. I haven't seen it enough to say, like, one way or the other. Um, and, you know, I don't hear a lot of great things about... Um, Kawato? Yeah, Kawato-san. Which was um, the next part of his question. Oh, He's, that's a question? Yeah, he says, uh, what storyline slash gimmick would you like to see Kawato come back with? The nickname my family and I gave him was Young Ace. What's his ceiling? Yeah, I mean, it certainly seemed like that was his destiny, didn't it? Yeah. Um, you know, with um, Kushida being gone, I mean, they could try to establish Kawato as like the new junior ace when he comes back and you push him really hard and you have him have great matches with guys like Taiji Shimori and Bushi and Shingo and Hiromu Takahashi. Um, Liger, Tiger, all the juniors they have there, and you really get him over huge. I think at one point a lot of people were kind of saying they wanted to see him come back and join LIJ, but with the influx of members now, that might not be as likely as it was before. Um, 
I really don't know. I'm not like I'm not good with the whole gimmick thing. Like what gimmick what gimmick would I like to see him come in? I'll tell you one thing. I know a lot of people are like saying bring him in with like a new like under a mask, like he could be the new Liger or the new Tiger mask and I was like, No. Have you seen this kid's facials? <laughs> yeah. Do not do this. Yeah, guys that great fish great facials. I mean a great seller. I would not put him under a hood. Um yeah, I have no idea like what I would what to book him as. I mean, I would definitely, you know, make sure he's a, a top guy in the junior division. Um, probably bring him back as a baby face. Um, but, like, going back to the previous question, because I just want to touch on it. You know, the guys I liked, Kitamore is gone. Um, Okarn, I don't know what's going on with him. Kawato, you know, not really sure. And the two guys right now that I'm most invested in that are still here... Everyone loves Umino. We'll get to Umino for good reason. And I'm not denying his skill, his talent, none of it. But I like Narita. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like Narita, and I like Suji. Bro, yes. Those are two. Those are my two dudes. I also like Umora also. I like Umora as a technical wrestler. Yeah. But he's not doing it for me. Like, Suji comes out, and he looks like he's going to freaking kill Maul you, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And he's gotten bigger. He's put some size on. He's getting more aggressive. He's got an awesome beard. He's got, like, one of the best beards in New Japan, you know. Like, I think he should have a talk with uh, Sonata. Tell him how to clean that up. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, I like Suji, but I really like Ren Narita. And, yeah, Narita's my, the guy I'm most invested in. To the point where, like, the other guys that I liked who went on excursion, I really didn't follow them. But if Narita leaves, I might want to tune in, depending on where he goes. Now, if he goes to Australia, I'm probably not going to watch it. But, yeah. uh... You know, if he comes to Ring of Honor, or comes to Ring of Honor, then I'll probably watch it. <laughs> what, you're not going to watch uh, Rita Mexico on Friday night to see him? We always say we're going to, but we never do. I know. <laughs> <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of wrestling to watch. I know, man. Uh, a lot of extracurriculars. <laughs> a lot of uh, glitter, huh? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, um, you mentioned Shota Umino, and he was in the next matchup here. He was defeated by Zack Sabre Jr. In this match, another long match for a young boy. 13 minutes, pretty much almost 14 minutes. 13 minutes and 58 seconds here. And, dude, I thought this was another great match. Yeah, it was uh, better. It was better. Um, it was better than the first match. They got a little bit extra time, and they made every single minute count. Um, Zack Sabre, for, for the Zack Sabre doubters, if there are still any, I don't know if there are or not, but, like, this is something that they need to see because this guy's a ring general and this just showcases how he can take a, 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 young, a, a young greenhorn like Shota Umino and make him look like a million bucks. Yeah, and um, you know, this was a Zack Sabre match, uh, but Zack gave Umino a lot. And Umino looked really great keeping up with Saber. He was going hold for hold with Saber. It reminded me of like the A Kid match from last year. Mm, yeah, it had it had a lot of that like technical. It also reminded me of the Sonata match from the G One last year as well. Yes, mm-hmm. you know those those are two opponents of Zack Saber that kind of have been able to stick with him when it comes hold for hold, move for move, and that's what Shoto Umino was doing here. So yeah. this is just showcasing his you know technical acumen. Yeah, he had a beautiful uh, bridging German at one point in the match. He also did a flying arm bar um, towards the end of the match. Got a near submission on Saber. Yeah. 
Um, but I mean, ultimately, it came down to uh, Sabre uh, getting him in the uh, napalm death and uh, tapping out Numina. Yeah. Um, was that the napalm death he got him in? Uh, I thought it was. I'm trying uh, to remember. I feel I felt like it was it was a, a a leg submission he doesn't utilize as often, but maybe I'm wrong about that. But um, the finish did kind of come from out of nowhere. They didn't really build to it. Mm-hmm. That was something they didn't need to do that, and that maybe that's not the story they're telling. So I'm not going to criticize him. But you know, with how strong Umino looked, I would have liked to see him really kind of put up that epic struggle just before he tapped. But no, uh, they kept <laughs> they kept Zach looking strong and. That was the one thing. It was a little underwhelming, but it was still it made sense in the context. So I'm not gonna uh, harp against it too much. But as a whole, very very strong match. Um, Saber got the win, and yeah, Umino had a really great outing. Um, Kevin Kelly and Chris Charlton, you know, did a great job too, like kind of putting this over as well. Yeah, it's great stuff here. Uh, question here from Reddit user uh, Rambo Slam Pig. He says, can you give us <laughs> some input on your thoughts about the possible excursion destinations of the more prominent Young Lions? Uh, examples, Narita, Umino, etc. Well, um, you know, we get this question from time to time, and thank you for the question. But I don't think there's a lot of places for guys to go with the current wrestling landscape and how things have shaped up. I mean, there is an IWGP... Uh, partnership between you know multiple companies and it's pretty much New Japan, CMLL, Ring of Honor, Rev Pro, and Melbourne City Wrestling. Uh, ha- am I forgetting anybody? No, I think that's I think you nailed it all. Pretty right? much it. Yeah. Um, and you know, last year, okay, last year we had a lot of young lines. Some of them are ready to go for excursion. We were having the same kind of discussion, and the wrestling landscape was much more like open and permissive and it seemed that things were open for more partnerships and we were like well maybe they could go to impact or maybe they could go to you know here or there and but now it's like uh -uh. (laughs) (laughs) with 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 the battle lines that have been drawn i mean i don't think there's anywhere in japan that they could go um i don't think that there's anywhere i mean if they're gonna go to england they're gonna go to rev pro right if they're gonna go to the u.s they're going to ring of honor right they're not gonna work indies they're gonna they're not gonna you know go to evolve or wwn like they're working ring of honor um and if they go to mexico they're working cmll now they they might work smaller indies that are connected to those companies or that can they, they can get bookings with out of those companies but they're gonna be based out of those companies so I don't think there's really a lot of speculation. Um, is there anywhere else in Europe that they could go aside from RevPro, I'm thinking? I don't think so, because, I mean, pretty much everybody else has partnered with WWE, right? I mean, there's only a few that are not. Is, um, what's the German company? Uh, WXW? I don't know if WXW is officially partnered with anybody. No, but, I mean, so Walter's under WWE contract, but he's still allowed to train at the WXW Dojo. Yeah. Um, and still, well, he's he's working the 16-karat gold tournament, so I'm assuming that maybe there's some kind of allegiance there. Yeah, it's a little less underwhelming in some sense because there's not as many places that they could 
um, hypothetically go to. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's kind of nice because you've got strong, stable working relationships that can turn out stars, which is really what you're looking for in the long run anyways. Yeah. And I think all of the promotions in their partnership are all great options for them to go to. We've also seen in the past where guys like, for instance, we've seen um, where Sho and Yo uh, started in Mexico and then made their way over to Ring of Honor. Mm-hmm. And so, and they've done that with other guys in the past, too. I know they did that with uh, Kamatachi as well. Mm-hmm. So it's not necessarily impossible that they might spend time in multiple spots. Um, I also have a feeling that they really are going to try to shore up this... Um, you know, I forget what the word is, but you know, all the, um, all the different, oh man, I, I really want to remember this word, but I can't remember, but like Australia and like all those countries that are around there, what, what would that, like, oh, um, I don't want to say Polynesian because it's not Polynesian, yeah. but, but like, yeah, they haven't really sent anybody on an excursion there yet. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't be that surprised if they end up sending someone to to work in like New Zealand, Australia, and you know the surrounding islands. Yeah, it's that, a possibility. Yeah, that'd be an interesting spot to go. Because you got to figure if you've already got young lions in several other places, where are you going to send your guys? And also, if you want to, uh, you know, forge stronger relationships with those you know companies that are down under, that's where you might want to send a guy. Yeah, you know, Fale's been doing a lot of work down there in that area with his dojo. So setting some young lines in that uh, territory would be probably I just don't, I just don't know if um, if they view it as being a strong enough, um, you know, like experience, like a, a, a place where guys can get enough experience from enough veterans, that sort of thing. Right. Whereas, like, obviously they go to Mexico and there's a wealth of knowledge, you know. Right. Same with Fred Poe and Ring of Honor. And all those have pretty much have TV and, um, I'll tell you, most of the guys that have gone to, to, in my opinion, the best place for guys to go is to Mexico. Yeah, CMLO. They have more success. The guys that go to Mexico end up having more success than any anywhere else. Um, you know, I, I'm not opposed to guys going to Rep Pro or to Ring of Honor, but they don't tend to be utilized as well as they possibly could be. And they're working less dates there, you know, less less experience. Like, there just doesn't seem to be as much upside to being sent to those locales as there is when they go to Mexico. I mean, they're working all the time. Mm-hmm. Whole different kind of style. Whole different... I mean, obviously, it's a different culture either way, but, like, yeah, I mean, you you look at the track record of how many guys have gone to Mexico and how many of them have come back and become huge stars, and, I mean, it's a proven formula. Yeah. Proven, beyond a shadow of a doubt. Um, so, another question from Twitter user at 91ReasonsYouLose. He says, I personally thought Narita versus Skrull and Umino versus ZSJ were the best matches on the card on night one. Do you think they are ready for excursion now? Um, I wouldn't be. I'm. I'm. I'm it's funny. I, I'm pretty close to feeling the same way that they are. I think there's a couple, two matches in my opinion that were better than those, but I wouldn't fight you on that opinion at all. Um, as far as being ready for excursion, I'm. Yeah, they're pretty much ready. I would say. Yeah, I mean, yeah, honestly, with these two showcase matches, I mean, yeah, I, I think they're ready. Dude, I mean, Umino's had now three really, really good and awesome uh, singles matches. This match with uh, Zack Sabre, the one he had with Shingo Takagi, and the one he had with uh, Daisuke Sakamoto. And, and, oh, not only just that, but, like, the matches he's had with Nagata, the matches he's had with his, uh, what's his tag team partner's name? 
who uh, uh, Ayato Yoshida. Yeah, the match he had with Yoshida. Yeah, the guy can go. There's no denying it. And I think that they might be right about ready to go on excursion. Same thing with Ren Narita. So. Yeah, I could see them going soon. I mean, we, we're going to talk about another big match Umino's going to have a little bit later. Um, but, yeah, I could definitely see these guys going in the future. Um, so let's get back to the card here. Um, next match we had Jushin Thunder Liger and Jonathan Gresham defeating Taiji Ishimori and Robbie Eagles. And, uh, man, what an interesting match. It only went five minutes and 28 seconds. Yeah. Majority of the match uh, was um, Gresham and Eagles. I thought uh, Gresham looked great here. There's some great uh, chain wrestling between both of these guys. Um, Gresham was out-wrestling Eagles. Um, the fans were getting into Gresham, getting behind him. He was yeah. getting over. Um, and then he makes the tag to Liger, and Eagles tags in Ishimori. And Liger quickly does this running, jumping cradle thing and pins Ishimori out of nowhere. Yeah, that was it. <laughs> yeah, it was it was really interesting. Um, I I was a little surprised by some of this. So I think they did a good job of uh, getting Jonathan Gresham over a bit, mm-hmm. but not the way that they did with like say Flip Gordon last year. Yeah, like Flip got a showcase. Triple threat match. Yeah, and I mean, once you saw Flip last year, you're like, oh, this guy's got to be in the best Super Juniors. Um, if you if you know Jonathan Gresham and you're a fan, you probably feel that way. But based off just off this match, you would think you wouldn't think he has to be in the best Super Juniors. You would think that would be cool if he was in it. Yeah. Um, and then with Robbie Eagles, nothing here screamed to me. Robbie Eagles needs. I mean, it wasn't really his style of wrestling, so you can't knock him too much, but. He didn't get his stuff in at all. Yeah, it was, it was pretty much the mission of this match. Was, there was two things. Get Gresham over and get Liger over with a surprise win. They, the first one, they only did, I would say, halfway. I don't. I think the fans were into it, and I think it was a cool little showcase. But I don't think it was enough to, for me to be like, that was impressive. Mm-hmm. This guy made his mark, and he capitalized. Um and I'm not trying to bury him too much. I just didn't feel like there was enough. I mean, what did you think? No, I thought it was a good debut. I mean, obviously, it would have been better if he if he had a full 10, 15-minute one-on-one match. Yeah. But I thought with the time he had, I thought it was a good debut, um, a good introduction to the fans. Uh, the fans took a liking to him. You know, not It was five minutes. Yeah. What, what can you do in five right. minutes? Yeah. Um, but I thought that the Liger pin fall out of nowhere – Creates the element of surprise and shock. I freaking popped for that, dude. I I did not see that coming. I was expecting those guys to run it for a little bit, and then all of a sudden Liger's pinning this guy. Ishimori sold this loss, like, excellently. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Ishimori was losing his mind, and, you know, arguing that the referee fast countered him. So, yeah, so Liger pulled up upset. That builds to the anniversary show. That gives the, the, the seed of doubt in Ishimori's mind that, you know, Liger can, you know, beat him at any second. And I'm sure this this spot this spot will be a tease in their title match. Yeah, this this isn't anything that I would say. Oh, this was a, a great match, but it was entertaining for what it was. It was interesting for sure. And if you're gonna check out the card, I, I would still give it a recommended watch just because of what it was. Yeah, for the story elements and then also to see Jonathan Gresham. Yeah, I, th- I thought this was I thought this, you know, accomplished what it needed to. Again, my only knock was. 
I think John, I've seen Jonathan Gresham do more, and I know he's got more in him, and I wish we would have got a little more of that. Yeah. In fact, I wish we would have seen an interaction that got both him and Robbie Eagles over to the point where I'm like, all right, I need both these guys in the Super Juniors. And at this point, I'm like, we're going to get them, and it's going to be good, but I'm not blown away. Yeah. Um, and then Reddit user Maserati said, how about that shock pinfall from Liger on Bone Soldier, which we just kind of covered. Yeah, I mean, definitely didn't see that coming. Thought it was great storytelling building to the anniversary show. I liked it. I liked it. Obviously, I love Liger, so, you know, I'm all about it. <laughs> um, the next matchup, we had Hanma, Toa Hanare, Juice Robinson, and David Finley defeating the team of Tamatonga, Tangaloa, and uh, Jay and Mark Briscoe. Uh, we had um, Finley and Juice Robinson coming out to the Lifeblood music. Um, kind of confused the Cork and crowd at first. They didn't know who it was. <laughs> yeah, they were like, what's what's this music? Who is this? <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it's the uh, their Ring of Honor Lifeblood music. Um, I think it's confusing because we don't know if it's canon or not. But it's a Ring of Honor show, but it's Japan, so it's weird. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then we for, for the uh, God entrance, we saw the return of Hikaleo, who's been out um, with a uh, knee injury. Um, Hikaleo was supposed to be. You know, back for a while now. You know, we ran into Hikaleo um, several, several months ago, um, and he told us that you know he would be returning soon. Uh, but now he he's finally back. He came out here with his brothers. Uh, for you that don't know, Hikaleo is the uh, the younger brother of Tamatanga and Tangaloa, so he made his return here, rocking his Bullet Club shirt. And, of course, uh, G.O.D. was accompanied by um, Gato as well. So, you had the whole little Bullet Club crew out there. And, you know, I thought this was an all right match. Um, Finley and Juice Robinson uh, worked so well together. Um, and the story of this match here was kind of the dissension between Gorillas of Destinies and the Briscoes. Uh, several points throughout the match, uh, they were not working well together. And often bumping into each other and just not kind of a lot of miscommunication. I'll say this. I might have gone back and forth, but ultimately I was right because I said these two teams, even though they're both heels, they're going to have heat with one another. There's going there's going to be issues of communication. Um, and that's exactly what we saw here. You know, it's exactly what we saw. So, um, yeah, G.O.D. and... Um, the Briscoes, they just never were able to get on the same page. Two completely different kinds of teams, two completely different ideologies. And, yeah, it was interesting. Um, I didn't think that this match was great by any means. Um, yeah, I mean, it was whatever. I mean, obviously, there was the most important thing was not really the match, but... The, setting up the matches for the next night. Right, and the angle at the end. Yeah. Um, so, towards the end, Juice, he escaped the Doomsday device attempt. Uh, Mark Briscoe got set into the ropes where Giotto uh, accidentally nailed him with the kendo stick. Um, so obviously it wasn't really clear, but I, I'm pretty sure he was trying to hit Juice. Uh, but Juice took advantage, rolled Mark up, and got the pin. Um, and I'll roll you up, brother. <laughs> um, then after the match, you had, we had a little brawl with the Tongans and the Briscoes. Uh, yeah, they separated the teams, but that's the first little rift, the first little tease to. Uh, a program down the road between these two teams, which makes sense. So, 
um, yeah, did its this job. This match did its job, and then with Juice and well, let's just call Lifeblood with Lifeblood mm-hmm. getting a title challenge for the next night, it made sense that they'd pick up the win here to you know kind of uh, build to that match the next night. So um, you know, good match all around. Yep. Uh, next matchup we had uh, Toriano, Togi Makabe, and Risuke Taguchi. Togi def- Makabe is Togi, not today. <laughs> uh, defending his never, defending their never six man tag titles against the Ring of Honor team of Colt Cabana, Cheeseburger, and Delirious. The champions uh, retained over the Ring of Honor challengers. Uh, this was, I mean, if you love comedy wrestling, I mean. This was the match for you to watch. You had, uh, you know, Cabana doing his stuff, Yano doing his stuff, Yano uh, being scared of Delirious. <laughs> like, actually scared of him. Yeah. <laughs> Which uh, is hilarious. This yeah. is a man who, like, regularly wrestles Minoru Suzuki and is fine. And then he sees this geek with no shoes on and just like you know speaking gibberish and he's scared. <laughs> um, and then uh, you know he's there was the spots where he's like trying to take off like the turnbuckle pad and all this. This is the Ring of Honor show. We have the the American yeah. you know turnbuckles. It took him much longer to get the pads <laughs> off. Um, and obviously, it's not as much. You can't really use those as a weapon like he could like the the bigger longer pads. So that was pretty funny. We did get a. Um... Uh, turnbuckle pad duel between Cabana and Yano. Yeah. Um, just like they did at the 2017 Global Wars, which was ho- kind of hilarious. Um, lots of funny stuff. Cheeseburger was entertaining as always, mm-hmm. bumping like a madman and, you know, trying to just choke slam everybody and just be, be the big man in there. <laughs> Shote was, he pulled Shote, the Shote. Yeah, he's doing the Shote. It's hilarious. Yeah, cause, um, you know, Liger passed down to Shote. To uh, cheeseburger. Uh, ultimately, this came down uh, with Taguchi to uh, use Cabana to distract the referee, which allowed Yano to hit a low blow and then a schoolboy on Delirious for the pin. Um, after the match, there was some uh, dissension between uh, Cabana and Delirious, and Delirious ended up hitting Cabana with a low blow after the match, and um, you know Yano helped Cabana up. So. Which was to set things up for the next night. Yeah. So then next we had Will Ospreay defeating Dalton Castle to retain the Never Openweight Championship match. Dalton Castle and the boys. That's right. He he had boys this night. Yep. Um, they were. Look- I think he has boys every night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Accompanying him to the ring. Yes. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. He has boys in every territory yes. he goes to. He, uh, no, he actually does have. I, he, I, yeah, he does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, these boys looked awfully uh, familiar. Um, uh, Yota Suji and Yuya Mora <laughs> uh, were his boys tonight. Um, and for me, this was my match of the night. Um, I thought this was a really great match here of uh, Osprey and Castle. You know, we mentioned last week, we just didn't know. How Castle was going to perform with his uh, back injury, and he was wearing, you know, the uh, the brace in this match. Uh, but I thought Dalton looked pretty good in this match, and Osprey always looks great. And yeah, I really enjoyed this match. You know, I think Dalton is still working with his, you know, injuries and limitations. I'm not going to bury him or anything like that, 
But I think it's it's um, important to point out that with a guy who's hurt like that, for I wouldn't say Will Ospreay carried him because that's not what this was. But Will Ospreay is so intelligent and so smart. Maybe both these guys are. Mm. They were able to lay out a style of match to work around those deficiencies and around those those issues to basically create a match that was highly entertaining. And man, they had great near falls, like great action, great peaks and valleys. Like they told an awesome story here. Um, it's one of the better Dalton Castle matches I've seen in probably since his match with um, um, Jay Lethal. Yeah, yeah, I know. This was almost a strong style match at, at some points. I mean, there was a lot of great, um, strong uh, strike exchanges between both men. Um, yeah. Dalton Castle used his uh, amateur wrestling background and had some beautiful throws on Osprey. Osprey hit a nice-looking uh, uh, space tiger drop at one point. Um, there was a very scary part of this match where Will Osprey is going for the Oz cutter and Castle is supposed to like catch him in midair and do a German, but the timing didn't end up quite right and like Osprey like got tipped and like almost landed on his head. Yeah. I like gasped when that yeah. happened. Yeah. I was like, oh my gosh, Osprey almost died. Like he literally like rotated just enough not to lay on top of his head. It was cra- it was crazy. How many times are we gonna see that with Osprey? A lot. <laughs> yeah. You know, one thing you did mention, you mentioned like the strong style. That is something I've thought about when I was watching this. I thought to myself, maybe Dalton Castle should start utilizing more strike-based offense because of the limitations physically that he's suffering. That maybe he should become more physical with his strikes to kind of compensate. I don't know, just a thought because mm-hmm. he seemed pretty aggressive here and it was kind of impressive. And I was like, that might be a little wrinkle he wants to – Focus a little bit more on, you know? Yeah. But yeah, like I said, I really enjoyed this match. And um, towards the end here, Osprey hits a Spanish fly. Um, takes a flip bump off a of lariat. Castle hits a gut wrench throw for a near fall. Then Osprey comes back with a Frankensteiner. He hits the hidden blade, then the Stormbreaker, and gets the pin. And man, that hidden blade, it's vicious, man. I mean, dude. Like, yeah, there was a lot of back and forth. There was a lot of near falls. But when it came down to it, it was very definitive. Like you said, the reverse Rana, the Marafuji kick, the hidden blade, and then the Stormbreaker. And that was all she wrote. And very, very, very impressive. I mean, dude, they're putting Osprey over so strong right now. Um, he beats David Boy Smith. He has... Maybe the match of the night against, uh, you know, a broken down Dalton Castle. Very impressive stuff, man. Very impressive. Yeah, dude. Osprey is he's on fire, man. Love. I'm loving this never title run. So for me, um, this m- next match, uh, we got Jeff Cobb defending the Ring of Honor World TV title against Hiroki Goto. Uh, these two had their first singles match uh, last year in July at the Cow Palace show. At the time, Goto was the never open weight champion, and he retained his title over Jeff Cobb. Um, and they've been trying to have a rematch, and like we mentioned last week on the show, two or three times now they've had to reschedule. Yeah, it was supposed to happen at the Lions Break show, but Cobb couldn't make it, and then it was supposed to happen at the New Beginning, New Beginning, USA. In, yeah, in the USA. But Goto couldn't make it because of the visa issues. 
So we finally got the match here. Third time's the charm. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I thought that this was a very good match. And, you know, I think that this could hypothetically have also been match of the night. In fact, for me, I think it was the match of the night. But uh, it depends on the time of the day. You might be able to convince me that that Will Ospreay match was better. I don't know. But this was still very good. Yeah, I, I enjoyed this match. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, for me, the Ospreay-Castle match was my favorite. But I, I enjoyed this match. This was a big Haas match here. With both of these guys just uh, slugging away at each other. What did you think about Goto uh, using one of the Young Lions to attack Cobb? <laughs> that was hilarious. He like, suplexed one of the Young Lions onto Cobb on the outside. Um, so, pulling a, a page out of uh, Suzuki's book there. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, this was a good uh, back and forth match. Um, a nice little strong style match here. Both these guys slugging away with each other. Lots of lariats. Um, lots of kicks. I mean... Cobb's just so impressive um, with the stuff he can do and, um, you know, his standing moonsault and some of the different throwing techniques that he uses always looks impressive. You know, the match that they had in um, the Cow Palace, I had high hopes for and I was a little disappointed. I had high high hopes here again. And, you know, I'd probably go about four stars here. I liked this match a Mm -hmm. lot. But I was still kind of disappointed once again. Yeah, yeah, and I I tweeted that out. I was like, you know, this this was a, a good Haas match. But it still didn't meet the higher expectations I had for the match. Especially with it being a second meeting um, in Japan with, you know, more time and, you know, not not necessarily more working time. But, like, since their last match, mm-hmm. time to grow as performers, time to kind of work on things, plan things out. I mean, heck, this is the third time they're supposed to have the match. You'd think they'd have it laid out. Mm-hmm. But, um... You know, I don't want to take too much away from them. It's just I always have high expectations for this match. It always just kind of is a little under-delivers. A little yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like we said, overall it was good. But it was yeah. good. But, yeah, I was hoping for it's a little bit better. But uh, ultimately, you know, they traded a bunch of big moves in the closing minute. The closing minute was really, really great. But ultimately, Cobb was able to put Goto away with uh, Tour of the Islands. And, yeah. Um, so that really put Jeff Cobb over in a strong way. You know, we've been seeing Jeff Cobb in New Japan sporadically over the you know the last few years now. Um, the world tag, the last two world tag leagues, the shows in the United States. He also did a tour last year. I'm trying to remember which one it was. It was in the middle of the year. Yeah, uh... where he had some singles matches. That's actually the the tour where they set up the match between him and Goto for the mm-hmm. Cow Palace. Yeah, I'm I'm blanking on which destruction tour. tour maybe maybe yeah something like that. But um, you know. Jeff Cobb, they've got a lot in store for him in, in Ring of Honor and hopefully in New Japan. I'm hoping he's in the climax this year. Yeah. I'm all yeah. I'm all about Jeff Cobb in the G one climax. Yeah, sign me up for that. Yeah. But um yeah, so he picks up the win here and a very solid match. Yeah, which brings us to our main event on night one. We had the mega aces here with Hiroshi Tanahashi, Kazuchika Okada and the Ring of Honor World Champion, Jay Lethal. They defeated the kingdom of Matt Taven, TK Orion, and Vinny Marsalia. They beat him. Uh, let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, this, this main event was fine. It was almost like a little house show main event. Clearly, Tanahashi, Okada, and Jay Lethal were the stars of this matchup. I like that they all came out with the long coats on. Yes. Crowd was really into that. Yeah. And, you know, crowd was really into lethal. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, the Kingdom, like I mentioned last week, I'm not a fan of these Kingdom guys. Who is? Dude, they're, I'm telling you, man. You know, you know who is? Floyd Johnson. Yes, shout out to uh, Floyd, um, our co-host of All Things Elite here on the network. Yeah, he messaged me, it was like, you know, he's popping what we call them, like, Kingdom Bums, and like, why we didn't like them, stuff like that. Um, he was like, yeah, he's like, I listened to two New Japan podcasts, you and both the other one do not like the kingdom. You both buried them. And I was like, dude, I just... So, I, somebody's got to bury them. <laughs> I just can't, I can't get into them, dude. Like, I'm not down with Benny and the whole horror king and the red balloons. Like, TKO Ryan. Just, Actually, the red balloons is like the one thing that I think kind of works. It's the one thing that I'm like, that kind of is funny. It kind of works, but... It's not a main event act, you know? It's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a mid-card act, like... These guys would not be. I don't know. It's, it's, it just screams like minor leagues to me. Like, there's nothing that. What, I, I don't know. You know, watching Matt Taven and um, Michael Bennett and, you know. Uh, Adam Cole, Adam, baby. Adam Cole. That was like a polished, put together. Like, this is like real heels. Like, this is. Now it's just Matt Taven and Geeks. <laughs> yeah. That is what it feels like. It feels like Matt Taven and two Geeks. Yeah. And I'm sorry, but, like, that's what it is. Yeah. I mean, these guys are really didn't stand out here at all. I mean, this, this was all... You could put Rhett Titus in the kingdom. You could put, you know, who are, who are some other Geeks in Ring of Honor? That you, could, you could literally interchange some guys and it'd be the same. Yeah. Uh, Rhett Titus is one of the guys that immediately comes to mind for some reason. Oh, because I mean, Rhett Titus is the ultimate Ring of Honor mid-card. He's been there, there like 10 years, and he's been in the same spot. Who else is there that you could just like throw in there? I mean, you could put uh, Shane Taylor in there. Shane Taylor? Uh, At this point, I almost feel like you could throw Kenny King in there. As I, bad I, as that sounds. I, I like Kenny King. I like Kenny King, too. <laughs> but that's like how they've kind of mishandled him, and yeah. now he like is viewed. Yeah. I'm I like, mean, Ugh. Silas Young... Uh, and but here's the thing: Silas Young had that incredible run a couple years ago, yeah. and he looked like he was going to be a main eventer. And then I don't know what they've done with him since then. I I think Silas Young is is a really good act if allowed to be. But yeah, but yeah, pretty much anybody at this point. I mean, it's it's Matt Taven and Jags, and I think, I, yeah, it's just they're Jags. I think I think they suck, and it it, it, it just felt like a mismatch. Like if this felt like almost like a, a job match. Where you, you had three, the three big stars in the territory facing off against these local talent and, like, just cleaned them up. I told you what this was last week. I told you. It's Hulk Hogan, Sting, Lex Luger, <laughs> and Randy Savage taking on the Dungeon of Doom in the War Games. The Shark. The Taskmaster. <laughs> I don't remember who was in that match. Uh, the Zodiac. And somebody else is like, they're not winning, yeah. <laughs> obviously. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, this was it was a fine match. I mean, the, the crowd seemed like they were they were having fun. It was fun to be there live. But on TV, I mean, this, this came across as nothing special. I think the one thing is they seemed to kind of be into Jay Lethal for the first time, like, maybe ever. Mm-hmm. And I remember him wrestling to, like, crickets in the Tokyo Dome. And I remember him wrestling... Pretty much the crickets every time he's been in New Japan. And for the first time, he was seen on a level where the people were like kind of behind him mm-hmm. um, because he was teamed with the Mega Aces. So maybe that's maybe that's good. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, Lethal was definitely over here in this matchup. Um, and, uh, but it's a corking crowd, and mm-hmm. it's Tokyo. And that's a smarky crowd. And also, 
they're there to watch a Ring of Honor show, so they want to see the Ring of Honor champion. Yeah. But so, even even last year's Honor Rising, I don't feel lethal was as over as he, he was, was here. Yeah. He was not. <laughs> uh, but yeah, towards the end of this match, the Kingdom went for the triple power bomb. Uh, Tanahashi and Okada broke it up with a uh, sling blade and a drop kick, and Lethal hit the lethal injection on Vinny for the pin. Uh, then post match, the Kingdom jumped Lethal after the match um, to try and um, soften him up for tomorrow, the next night's title match. And uh, Lethal cut a promo on Orion, and that was in the show. You get the Mega Aces uh, celebrating. Yeah, I thought it was a solid show, top to bottom. Um, I didn't love. The main event, but it was fine for what it was. But I mean, you had four really solid singles matches, yeah, and two of them were involved young lions. Plus, you kind of had that really fun five minute tag team match with the juniors with Ishimori and Liger. So, uh, I would give this a, a, a very solid recommend. Oh, yeah, I would definitely, yeah, go I ahead. Think, I think this is one of the best, uh, on horizons, yeah. And one of the best New Japan shows of the year so far. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's going to get that coveted show of the year nomination, mm-hmm. but a really good show nonetheless. Yeah, good stuff. How long was the show? Um, it was almost three hours. The shows were shorter last year. Do you remember that? I do. Yeah, uh, there were like only like two, two hours. hours. Yeah. Yeah, I was. I thought that was interesting because I remember last year them being very reminiscent to like a takeover, and these mm-hmm. ones were a, a bit longer. Yeah, which I'm not necessarily complaining, but yeah, yeah, just different. Uh, and a question here from Reddit user Maserati he says: Do people really like this Kingdom Act? Are they enjoying them ironically? And no, nah, people like them, dude. Yeah, there, there is. I'm telling you, the die-hard Ring of Honor. There are die-hard Ring dude. of Honor fans. That the love Ring, the kingdom. Ring of Honor fans love him. Floyd Johnson loves him. <laughs> um, Floyd loves him. The uh, <laughs> the uh, the Honor Club girls. I don't know if you, well, you're not really on Twitter. There's Are there a, Honor Club girls? Yeah, there's what, a group. Wait, what is that? There's this uh, these girls on Twitter. I'm part of Honor Club. There's girls. <laughs> Tell there, me about these Honor Club girls, there's, Jeremy. There's a group of girls on Twitter that call themselves the Honor Club girls, and they always tweet. Uh, about during TV tapings and live events. What? <laughs> You're saying there's some Mark chicks out there that like the kingdom? Yeah, dude, they love the kingdom. Well, I, then I'm probably not going to be down with them. And I really see that's my problem. That's why I would never, ever want to date a wrestling fan. Because what if they have bad taste in wrestling? Like, like I couldn't get past that. That's why you got to date a smart Mark. Yeah, but that they are being smart marks. Like they're they're super smart. Yeah, like, they like the kingdom, and I couldn't get with that. You know what I mean? Like, what if I showed? What if like she's like, I love wrestling, and I'm like, oh, who do you like? She's like the kingdom. I'm like, do you like Ronnie Garvin? And she's like, who? And then it wouldn't work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. They, Maserati. Yeah, there are people who actually like the kingdom. I'm not one of them, but... But after this show's over, let's look up those, uh... <laughs> you know, uh... Let's look up those Honor Club chicks. I think uh, Caleb uh, Baldwin's actually pretty good friends with one of them. Really? Yeah. Or at least they know each other somehow. Um, but anyway, let's move on to uh, Honor Rising Night 2. Show opened up with uh, Toa Hanare and Jonathan Gresham. Shout out to Caleb. 
<laughs> defeating Zack Sabre Jr. and Taka Michinohu. So once again, the pairing of Sabre and Taka lose again. Um, I did find the the uh, pre-match promo hilarious. Uh, Takamichi Taka was uh, he was speaking English. Yeah, he did the whole thing in English uh, for both promos on both nights. But he did a condensed version, not like the whole long one. Yeah, but uh, for Gresham, he was like, yeah, he was like, "Who the hell are you?" <laughs> <laughs> He's like, "Toa Hanare, whoever you are, we're gonna beat you." <laughs> uh, but yeah, I thought that was pretty hilarious. Um, but you know, Gresham and Saber picked up where they left off uh, at final battle. They had a lot of cool exchanges, a lot of really um, great, just great technical wrestling between both of those guys. Yeah, Zach, Zach, and Jonathan have faced off plenty of times, but you know the final battle is the one that's you know most recently in people's uh, you know minds and memories. But um, very familiar with one another, and um, I thought that this match did a way better job showcasing what Gresham is capable of, and really wowed the people because Gresham isn't it. He's an incredible escape style wrestler, and he excels at that. And Zach was able to put him in trouble time and time again, and he just kept escaping and right. frustrating him, which is really cool. And the fans know how good Saber is with technical wrestling and, and tying people up. So the fact that Gresham was able to escape definitely helped get him over. It reminded me of the late great Steve Gray. Actually, I don't know if Steve Gray is dead or not, but if you guys ever get a chance, if you are World of Sport Marks, which you probably aren't, but. You should be. You need to see Steve Gray. Uh, William Regal has called him the greatest escape style wrestler that ever lived, and I agree. Uh, but Jonathan Gresham was very much in the vein of Steve Gray here. Trust me. Check out Steve Gray. He's the best. Um, and then uh, Gresham here, he um, hit a, sh- a very nice shooting star press. Um, and then he got Taka in his finishing hold, the octopus stretch, and tapped. Taka out. Fun way to kick off the show. Um, what do you think about Taka taking all the pinfalls for uh, Zach? Do you think that this is building to something, or do you think it's just he just sucks? Uh, I think it's just Taka. He's a fall guy uh, here. I feel like I think we could be seeing a Gresham Saber rematch at Madison Square Garden. Um, Saber. Oh, I would be all in on that. Saber cut a promo during Ring of Honor taping saying he was going to be at MSG. Um, clearly here, we know Saber, he beat Gresham the first time. Gresham got a win over his guy here. This could be building to a rematch. I don't really care how we got to get there. Let's just get there. <laughs> I'm all about that. Actually, on this show, are we going to talk about any of these rumored Madison Square Garden matches that have been talked about, or no? Um, are we going to hold off till something more official is in the air? Uh, I think we could hold off. Okay, yeah, because yeah, there's some matches that I'm like... People talking about selling their tickets. People talking about, like, oh, I'm going to go hit the city up for the night. You might want to hold on to those tickets. Some of this stuff is looking kind of good. Yeah, dude. This, yeah. Oh. Jay White's going to be there. <laughs> <laughs> no, there, uh, really, there really are some, like, really, really, like, good-looking matches that I'm like, oh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, Gresham and... Um... Toa win here. Like I said, I think we might be seeing a rematch with Gresham and Saber. Toa Hanari won a match. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, back to back. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to Toa. Um, next up, we had uh, the clash of a former Bullet Club Junior and a current Bullet Club Junior. The villain, Marty Skrull, defeated the Sniper of the Sky, Robbie Eagles. 
uh, and this was a match that I was wrong about. I thought that they were going to get try to get Eagles over, uh, but Marty once again pulled out a win here. Um, honestly, I thought this match was fine. I, I didn't think it was, you know, blow away or anything out of this world. Uh, what do you think about it? I think I liked it a little more than you seem to um, be saying right now. <laughs> um, I mean, what would you rate it? Um, probably like three and a quarter, three and a half, maybe. Yeah, I'm a little higher on it than that. I thought I thought these two guys worked well together. Um, this is the correct. This is the first Robbie Eagles singles match we've seen in New Japan, right? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, I, no, wait. Yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I thought it was good. Um, I think I was. Uh, I should probably take a victory lap because last week I did say there's no way in hell Marty Skrull <laughs> is losing to Robbie Eagles um, on a Ring of Honor show, much less. So that's definitely not happening. But um, I thought Eagles was somewhat impressive. He had a really good Frankensteiner on off the top rope. They, they had good, you know, exchanges of holds. Marty wasn't doing all the shtick stuff. He was actually coming to work and, like, kind of, you know, show people something. Um, it was a sprint, you know? I didn't think it was the greatest match of the night or anything. Um, but I had fun watching. I thought it was entertaining. Yeah, and I guess the reason I'm kind of down on it, it's like, you got Marty Squirrels, Marty Girl, and then you got Robbie Eagles, a guy that people are claiming is the Will Ospreay of Australia. So I'm, I was expecting a little bit of a higher level match. I'll tell you what. The only matches I've seen Robbie Eagles have Will Ospreay level performances against is Will Ospreay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, other than his matches with Will Ospreay, I've never seen anything to indicate to me that he's blow away. But then again, Will Ospreay's carrying Dalton Castle to four-star matches, and he's carrying Taichi to four-star matches. You know what I'm saying? Like, Yeah. Um, so... For me to jump on this Robbie Eagles bandwagon, and there's probably people out there listening right now who are like, you don't know what you're talking about. Robbie Eagles is excellent. You're probably right. But he's got to show it to me, and I just haven't really seen it yet. Yeah. So this girl um, slapped on the cross-faced chicken wing. Eagles tapped out immediately, and another victory for the villain. They didn't have a lot of time, though, but they made. I felt like they made the most out of the time that was given to them. Yeah. And, you know, I, I'm not 100% sure when Skrull's um, contract extension ends of Ring of Honor. I've been hearing all kind of different dates and times. Um, but I, I'm really hoping that it's long enough for him to be in the best of Super Juniors. Skrull? Yeah. I would kind of be surprised if he's in best Super Juniors this year. Even if he is, his Ring of Honor contract is long enough? I have a feeling like that he won't want to work as a junior in New Japan going forward. Mm. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's just what I feel like. That that could be it, but I just feel they need as much stars as they can in that tournament. That's true. And, and, and so maybe the only way I could maybe see them doing that or him agreeing to it is if he's like, okay, I'll work it, but you're going to have to like put me – like basically I'm going to have to go to the finals. Yeah. But then again, like I said, I have no idea when his contract is uh, is officially up. So he might not even be able to be a part of Best of Super Juniors. So. It, it, that's a possibility, yeah, because we keep hearing different things. If anybody out there seems to know when his contract is definitively up, uh, give us a ring. 
Actually, you can't ring us because you don't have our phone number. <laughs> How can they contact us? Hit DM? us up. Yeah, slide in the Twitter. DMs are open. Uh, I don't know. At KI Strong Style. Um, yeah, just the Reddit. Let, yeah, let, let us know if you have any any tidbits on uh, Skrull here. You know, I know that you know he'll be wrestling. Um, he's advertised for MSG. He will be challenging um, Nick Aldis for the NWA title later in April as well. Uh, represent representing Ring of Honor, so we'll see. Oh my God! If he wins, then we're gonna have to hear like in the group thread every week from Caleb, like the current Ring of Honor or no, the current NWA World's Champion Marty Skrull. Like this dude doesn't even like Marty Skrull, but he's gonna love him just because he won the NWA title. Yeah, I I kind of want Skrull to win that match though. Why? Because you just don't like Nick Aldis that much. Yeah. <laughs> But I love Skrull, though, and I think it'd be great for Skrull to get a, a world title. It's uh, not even really a world title, though. I don't know. Nick Aldis is a, out there defending it all over the place. Man. In China. Yo, the last time that was a world title was in 1990 when Ric Flair held it. Since then, it's literally been irrelevant. It's nothing. It should be a regional belt. Yeah. I can't can't argue with it. You can't <laughs> argue with it because yeah. it's totally true. Yeah. Um. But uh, let's get back on track here. Uh, so the next matchup we had, uh, this match was actually changed because of the, the angle on night one. Originally, this was supposed to be a six-man tag match with Colt, Delirious, and Cheeseburger facing off against th- uh, three young lions. But due to the angle on night one and the uh, fallout between Delirious and Cabana, uh, New Japan officials changed the matchup to Colt Cabana and Toro Yano. Um, against Delirious and Cheeseburger, and Cabana and Yano got the win here against Delirious and Cheeseburger. Uh, Cheeseburger came out here in the green and black and uh, his own version of Delirious' mask. And uh, Delirious was his trainer in the Ring of Honor dojo, so kind of showing some respect there. Um, But this, again, was almost another comedy match. Um, You had Cabana and Yano on the same page, and they were... Doing the double break spots, break, 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 and they were just doing a lot of similar stuff and very funny. You know, there's one point where um, Yano is once again struggling to get the the American ring pads off, but uh, Cabana had hidden the Japanese pads under the ring and gave them to Yano to use uh, for a weapon. Uh, but ultimately, it came down to Cabana and Delirious. Do you remember when Ring of Honor used to have those? The yeah, the Japanese pads. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Just uh, bring them back. They should. I like it. It's a different presentation. I hope that AEW has Japanese ring pads. It'll be interesting to see what kind of ring they do end up having. Eight sided. <laughs> 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 An octagon. Oh my gosh. And there won't be ropes. It'll just be a cage. cage. Oh my gosh. Um, that will be different. <laughs> different. Different. Uh, but it came down to uh, Cabana and Delirious. Uh, Cabana cut Delirious off. Uh, he hit the Chicago skyline. And then he did his little Superman uh, roll-up pin and got the win here. So Cabana and Yano got the win. And we have a question here from a Twitter user at 91ReasonsYouLose. He said he loved Yano and Cabana as a team. What do you guys think of them, and what do you think their chances are of seeing Yano and Colt in the World Tag League? I thought it was interesting. We There was a, a, a backstage comment from Taguchi. It didn't really make sense, and it causes confusion because he said that Yano 
recruited Colt Cabana to Gu- to to Gucci Japan. Yeah, I'm like, how can Yano do that? <laughs> but yeah, well, uh, I think Taguchi's under the impression since Yano is a Never Six Man champion with him that he's a part of Taguchi Japan. Oh, because he's the coach. Yes, gotcha. And so he said Yano seemed to recruit Colt Cabana to Taguchi Japan successfully. This is the vacuum of power of Taguchi Japan. The suction of Taguchi Japan <laughs> is superior. Dude. It's between Taguchi Japan and Dyson. Dyson's latest model is the V10, so we should work hard to get to version 10. It's hilarious. Dude, Taguchi is freaking hilarious. I will tell you this, though. I used to sell vacuums door-to-door, and suction has nothing to do with its effectiveness. It's all about airflow. Always remember that. Dude, vacuum tip of the day. Vacuum tip of the day. So Speaking of which, we need to get one for Strong Style Studios. Yeah. It's getting... It's getting it's getting grody around here, and if I want to have a glitter party at some point, I don't even want to know what happens at your glitter parties. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, what do you think of Colt and uh, Yano here as a team? Um, I think it's fun for what it is, and I think it's a cool one-off. But I don't think it's anything I would take seriously long term. Um, could it be fun to see them like do a World Tag League like once? Like sure, yeah, I'd be I'd be about it, but um. That's about it. I, I think it's funny, but I don't take them serious. I mean, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, for, you know, a couple of one-offs, they're a nice little fun comedy team. Um, for a World Tag League, especially this year, I, I, I can't really see that happening just because, I mean, Yano, he pretty much has so many tag partners. He could, he could team with Makabe. He could team with Taguchi. He could team I'm, with, with Ishii. I'm thinking like Colt going to work, like, 20 dates you know, in Japan. Well, Colt does have some more New Japan dates that we'll be talking about soon. He does. So. he, You know what You know what he is? He's Dustin. Oh, uh, Chucky e. T? He's, he's the new Chucky e. T of New <laughs> Japan. Uh, someone, what, who, someone who doesn't belong here, but he's here. By golly. Which is funny. That Come you, hell or high water. It's funny you mentioned that because on uh, Ring of Honor TV last week, um, it was an episode where like Trent had a family emergency, and Chucky they're supposed to go against the Briscoes, and so Chucky had to get a replacement, and he uh, teamed with Coco Banda. Ah, a little tie in there. The Spider Man meme. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so next up we had Will Osprey and Hiroki Goto defeating the team of Jeff Cobb and Dalton Castle. I thought this was a very good match. I loved the interactions between Osprey. I couldn't believe this. What? Be- I couldn't believe how wrong I was from the week prior. You were right. Yeah, man. I, I just, you know, I, I see the vision with Osprey and just what they're trying to do with him. And I love the interactions with him, with Osprey and Cobb. Uh, and dude, I popped huge when Osprey got Cobb up for the Stormbreaker. Yeah. When so when he got. Jeff Cobb up for the Stormbreaker. You would think that my initial reaction or thought would be like, I can't believe he's doing this. Or like, wow, this is unbelievable. But instead it was like totally believable to me. I was like, wow, he's really doing this. This is happening. There there he goes. Oh, all right. It, he hit it. One, two, three. It's over. Yeah. Um, The thing, okay, my whole thing was this. There's no way Will Ospreay's losing to Dalton Castle on night one. Night two rolls around. You got a team of Jeff Cobb and Dalton Castle going up against Will Ospreay and Hiroki Goto. So it's like, I don't think Jeff Cobb's taking the pinfall. 
So Dalton Castle's going to get beat twice? Nah. It's got to be Goto. I was totally banking on the idea that Goto is just going to lose two times in a row because it's Goto and you can do that to him. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Yeah. No. I was short-sighted. They had Will Ospreay beat Jeff Cobb. Yeah. I didn't know, though, that he was going to beat, you know, Davy Boy Smith Jr. And then Dalton Castle. And then Jeff Cobb. Like, I'm like, holy crap. Yeah, and it's, it was definitely surprising for me because Cobb has been undefeated in Ring of Honor since he made his debut. Came in, won the TV title. Um in his first big matchup. He hasn't and he, even looked like he was going to lose any of these matches either. Right. I mean, and Cobb's just, he's been mowing through people yeah. in Ring of Honor. You know, I expect him to potentially, you know. He's getting the Rodney Mack uh, treatment. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I expect Cobb. I can see Cobb being one of those guys that, that holds the TV title and the world title at the same time. It's how, just how dominant he's been. But, yeah, it was very surprising. Osprey pins Cobb here. And... I thought this match was pretty good too. Yeah, I thought it was, yeah, I thought it was a really good match. I really enjoyed this I, match. I did too. I was like just under four stars with it, and I thought it was a really good tag team match. Yeah. So with with uh, Osprey pinning Cobb, this makes me think that we could be seeing some kind of champion versus champion match with Cobb and Osprey at MSG. That's what I think we're gonna get. Yeah. I think. I mean, we'll talk about it here in a moment, but. We'll, we're going to be getting another title versus title match on that uh, show. New Japan versus Ring of Honor. And Jeff Cobb got pinned cleaned by, by Will Ospreay, which was a huge shock. So it does make you wonder if they're planning a singles bout at some point in the, in the near future. And if there's a precedent of them doing title for title already, why not run it back? Never, this- never title, TV title, both on the line. Although that kind of sucks because if you think about it, <laughs> if you think about it, the TV title is supposed to be essentially Ring of Honor's equivalent to the IC title. Right. Instead, it's the equivalent of the Never title. Like, it literally jumps <laughs> like levels. Yeah. I think that, in all honesty, the Ring of Honor world title is probably on the same level as, like, what? The US belt? Really? No, I'm just playing. I was say, wow, that. <laughs> but I, I, but it's definitely not on the I, on the level of the IWGP title. So no. like, what? Maybe the IC belt? Yeah. <laughs> Chief. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Oh, it's funny, but yeah, man. Um, do you want to name uh, Will Osprey the wrestler of the month for February? Like now, already? Like, is that what we're gonna? Like, is it time? Do we need to do this? I mean, we might as well. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> you ever play like Madden and like you you have like the mercy rule like twenty one to zero and you call it like yeah. We might just want to call it right now. Like I remember being like last year at WrestleMania weekend and Rich, uh, all these shows we went to where Will Osprey was clearly like the best wrestler on every single card, and he's like, dude, this this man's coming for the gold. He wants the come, crown. Come for the crown, he's yeah. For the crown, <laughs> like uh, bro. He's really come, bro. In 2019, this man is coming for like the crown. This, at, right now, this is Osprey's year, man. We're, bro. I feel like people have had to be like Kenny. Who? <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, it, the funny thing is, like, 
Osprey's starting to get on a trajectory right now where he could, if he keeps this up, he'll be wrestler of the year. And he's not a junior, so we're not going to get that whole like, oh, but the G1 happened, so he's out. Like, he's going to have a G1. There's a very, very high likelihood that by the end of the year, Will Ospreay is the wrestler of the year. Yeah. Especially with all of the top talent that's going to AEW that's going to be working like two, three times, four times throughout the year. It's the Ospreay's year. Time to strike. I know all the Kenny fans probably don't want to hear this, but it's probably not going to be Kenny's year this year. Oh, no. Yeah, I yeah. know. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens here. Uh, so, next up, we had another... Has a vision. <laughs> uh, we had another tag match with uh, Tetsuya Naito and Shingo Takagi defeating the Kingdom Bums, Matt Taven and Vinny Marsalia. So, they beat the Kingdom, and the match after that... <laughs> Oh, oh, the match after that was Jay Lethal versus TK O'Ryan, and Jay Lethal beat him, so let's move on. So yep. the, the Kingdom lost the all three matches on um, on Arising. So the main event. <laughs> <laughs> um, I hate these guys. <laughs> so do I. They suck. They're the worst. And, uh, uh, so on the tag match, I felt once again this was the Shingo show. Who would you want to win in a match? The Kingdom or Taichi and a tag team partner of um what's his name what's his name from Chaos? Yoshihashi. Yoshi. I think mean, I take Taichi and Yoshihashi. I absolutely take Taichi and Yoshihashi. <laughs> uh but yeah, the, the tag match, uh, I mean it it was pretty much a shingo show, Naito took the heat in the beginning apart and then uh pretty much Shingo came came in, cleaned up house, and then they got some heat on Shingo, and then Naito came back in with another a second hot tag and Naito cleared up. Um and then Naito hit the Destino on bidding for the win. And then um like you mentioned, the next match was uh Jay Lethal defeating TKO Ryan for the Ring of Honor World title. You know, everybody saying you, you, you know what's funny is I joked about like that we should just say they beat him and then move on. Mm-hmm. But you actually are doing that, and it's hilarious. I love it right now. <laughs> I mean, what? I don't even want to add anything. Like, let's do it. I mean, there's nothing else to add. I mean, <laughs> they beat these bums. Got them out of here. Like, get the fuck <laughs> out of here. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. Uh, and then Lethal did the same thing with TKO Ryan, you know. They're trying to hype up TKO Ryan being like the breakout star of the kingdom. This guy's like a rising star, blah, blah, blah. But to me, I thought it was average match. I didn't. It wasn't good. Yeah, TKO Ryan. It, it was a showcase for Jay Lethal. Yeah, Lethal, Lethal looked Lethal good. Lethal looked great. Lethal worked hard. Lethal but, always looks great. Yeah, but TKO Ryan looked honestly look like a jag here to me. Everyone thinks that Jay Lethal is a Ring of Honor guy. To me, he's a Tampa Bay Pro guy. <laughs> for those of you that don't know, he is the trainer of the wrestling school for Tampa Bay Pro. And he the, does, the Lethal Academy. The Lethal Academy. He does perform from time to time in Tampa Bay Pro. Yeah, we, we've met Jay several times now. We've we seen him. We get him to do a drop. Yeah. I For some reason, and I don't know why, I'm always intimidated to talk to Jay Lethal more than like any other wrestler. I mean, I walked up to him, said hi to him, talked to him for a little bit. And yeah, yeah, but when I talked to him, I'm like, hey, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
and then I move on. Well, the problem is, man, that the Tampa Bay show, Tampa Bay Pro shows, are only like at noon now on Sundays. And like, no, the problem is they're at the big top convention. That's a problem too. But I will you, never go there. But noon on Sundays, there, I've never been. I never want to go, bro. Me and Rich went one time, and we saw like what I say is one of the best live matches I have ever seen in my life. Um, speaking of which, I know this is off subject, but if you guys ever get a chance to check out Hunter Law or Troy Hollywood, those are two of the uh, bigger and more well-known um, indie talent based out of Florida. Check those guys out. Me and Rich saw them on a Sunday afternoon have what I would call a four-and-a-half-star classic. Literally. Yeah, both of those guys. Yeah, those those guys. And they're are, young in the they're young in the industry. They're incredible. Both those guys. Yeah, they're awesome. And uh yeah, Troy and Hunter, yeah, they're really great talent. Um But yeah, we went and saw them have like a four four and a half star match. We walked out and said never again. <laughs> never going back there again. Uh, if you check the archives, uh Rich actually interviewed uh Troy Hollywood a few months ago. So you can check that out here on the network. And uh, you know, shout out to Hunter Law, he followed me on uh Twitter last week so so maybe we'll yeah. get we'll get him on the show here a little little so yeah, the funny thing is we have so many guys we're supposed to get on that we just have not followed up with because we are irresponsible no we're, we're busy men man we're we are busy that is what it actually is we're busy we're busy and i mean with our own shows of our lives but also just i mean there's a lot of stuff coming up for social suplex that we're gonna be having our hands full with the next Glitter? few uh uh, I don't know what glitter involves with, so I, I don't know if I want to sign off on that or, or on that or not. Honor Club girls, I can sign off on that. Right. <laughs> Run it. Um, but yeah, are, so what are the Honor Club girls? Are they a podcast? No, they're they're fans. They're gr- they're on just on Twitter. They're on Twitter. Is yeah, it a Twitter account. Yeah, actually, one of the girls she used to be on the uh, Super Kicking It podcast. I'm not sure if it's still going or not. Um, it takes it takes a lot of dedication to put in as much time as keeping a strong style put in. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, they're just they're, they're super Ring of Honor super fans. Um, but yeah, back to those this. exist. Yeah, we had a show on this pot on this network that used to bury Ring of Honor every single week. And you know, I'll say this: <laughs> I'm actually. I've been watching Ring of Honor since the new reboot with, you know, the elite guys leaving and the new guys they're bringing in. And I've really been enjoying Ring of Honor TV the last few weeks. Um, you know, when you see Lifeblood and kind of the whole, like, it, it seems like a, a random group of six people. But how it, the present how they presented on TV, how they came together made sense. I like Lifeblood together. I'm liking Roosh on TV. I'm, I'm liking the stuff that they're doing with some of this new talent. I'm liking building enterprises. So I would say, you know, give Ring of, Ring of Honor a shot. Um, they, they are trying to establish new acts and new stars. And I think they've been having some really good matches on TV. And I, I think the, the anniversary pay-per-view is going to be pretty good. Good, man. Um, but yeah, but TK Ryan, he's not getting the job done here. Um, Thank God. Yeah. Uh, Jay Lethal ends up um, hits a lethal injection and gets the win. Uh, Matt Taven jumps Jay Lethal after the match, grabs the Ring of Honor World title, and says he'll see Lethal in Vegas for the anniversary show. This was Jay Lethal's 40th successful title defense across two reigns, which uh, puts him now 
in the record books as the most for holding the most uh, the record for the most combined defenses of the Ring of Honor World Title, forty defenses. Yeah, so congratulations, Jay. I mean, definitely a guy who deserves it and earned it. And not only that, but you have to also combine it with his recent achievement of breaking the combined days as Ring of Honor World Champion, which means from a st- from a statistic standpoint, maybe he's, he's the greatest Ring of Honor Champion of all time. One of them. Yep. Has to be that. Yeah, that argument can definitely be made. Yeah. Um, so now we're he is the Bruno San Martino of Ring of Honor. <laughs> Uh, now we have the uh, semi-main here, IWGP heavyweight tag title match. The Gorillas of Destiny defeat Sonata and Evil to become the new IWGP tag champions. I'm glad they held off on this, and it's something that is new and fresh that I've never seen before. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But, you know, I I did think this was a good match, good action-packed match here between these two teams. I think it might be one of their better matches that they've had against each other. You liked it better than the World Tag League Finals? Oh, I forgot about that match. Uh, you didn't like that match that much, remember? It was long? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was kind of long. Yeah, I thought I do think I liked this match uh, better than that one. Uh, my biggest problem was why didn't the Young Bucks come out at the end of this match and interrupt them and, and, and get a, a and, and interject of, themselves <laughs> into a future title defense? That's what I want to know. Oh, my gosh. But yeah, I thought this was a good back and forth match. Um, obviously, you know, with Tamatonga being back to the being the bad guy or the the good bad guy as he's calling himself. I don't know if I had predicted God to win or not. I think you, but I think I did. I think you did because I was like, ah, if it seems like they shouldn't win it, but with them cha- changing the gimmick on him and everything like that, it just seems like that's where they're headed. Mm-hmm. Um. And that's where they were headed. I thought this was fine. It was solid. I I would have gone like three and a half on it. Yeah, that's about what I'm at. And um, pretty much so it came down towards the end where um, Tonga goes for the magic killer. But um, they, they shove Sonata into the ref. G.O.D. takes control. They grab Sonata and hit the uh, super power bomb for the win. I love the super power Yeah, bomb. it's awesome. And um, Jada was holding evil, uh, stopped evil from making the save. So they got the win there, and we have new IWGP champions. Do you know, historically speaking, that this was the first um, IWGP heavyweight tag team title change since, like, 1987 in Corkin? Mm, I did not know that. Yeah, uh, they haven't had a a tag team title change in Corkin since, like, the late 80s, basically. Wow. Yeah, so kind of surprising. Um what did you think here? I mean, were you surprised to see Evil and Sonata drop the belts at this point? Um, I wasn't completely surprised because it made, I mean, like, they were building up Tamatonga, and it seems like, you know, they're trying to heat the Bullet Club up. Hikaleo's back. Um, I think it just made a lot of sense to get the, the belts on these guys. Yeah, when Hikaleo shows up, titles change. <laughs> That's what happens. Yeah, business is happening when the, when the big man... Business picks up. Yes. Um... I mean, because you were saying that, like, Evil and Sonata were about to be, like, the Japanese Brody and Hanson and go on this, like, legendary, like, two-year reign. Well, that's what I thought. Was, <laughs> I, I thought I thought that's what was going to happen. But with, with what they're, well, what's coming up, it made sense for Evil and Sonata to drop the belts based on their future plans. And it made sense for G.O.D. to grab the belts here. No, honestly, if I'm being totally serious, 
this second night was in a lot of ways not as good as the first night and not to bury it or anything like that but that's kind of why i'm making so many jokes because like a lot of this seems kind of inconsequential to me the same way you know the first the first night seemed to be like it was it's kind of weird that i almost feel like this night should have been the first night yeah the first night should have been the second night but um even though i predicted it i was surprised to see god pick up the win here yeah i mean and one hand, it's kind of surprising because Evil and Sonata, and they're just so over. But just with the with all the stuff they've been doing with Tamatanga, like I think it would it would totally have made no sense to just he's bad again, and then he just gets beat the first match back. Right. You know. Well, that does free up Evil and Sonata to potentially go on singles runs, especially with the uh, New Japan Cup right on the horizon. So that mm-hmm. kind of makes sense. And God is poised to be right back where they've been multiple, multiple times before. Um, at the top of the tag team division, that doesn't matter with the tag team belts. So um, that's where we're at. Yeah, so then the main event of the evening was the Ring of Honor tag title match with the champions, the Briscoes, defeating Lifebloods, Juice Robinson, and David Finley. Um, thought this was a pretty good match. Um Unfortunately, uh, David Finley suffered a uh, separated shoulder yeah, towards I, the end of the match. I think that was when they were doing the Doomsday device. Is that correct? I think so. Um, but yeah, I think, yeah, it's going for the, the Doomsday spot, and then he, he just landed kind of weird. Um, and then they pretty much went straight to the finish. Uh, yeah. Mark Briscoe hit another froggy bow on him to get the win. I thought this tag match was much better than the... Uh, G.O.D. and L.I.J. match, mm-hmm. but I thought the crowd wasn't as into it. Yeah, the crowd was not in... Yeah, the crowd was Like, pretty, at all. And I was yeah. surprised this was the, like, the main event of the show. Yeah. With, with the title change, I think I would have flopped. I would have had the title change to be the main event. I just don't know if I would go with, um... I mean, I guess on the one hand, you would think because it's Juice and Finley, and those are seen as Japanese guys, even though they're Westerners. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I would. I still don't know if I would have gone with four Westerners, yeah. especially with them coming out with like the lifeblood gimmick and the lifeblood blood music. Might be a little bit too much for the Corkin crowd at this point. Um, it wasn't, but it was still a good match. It was by no means a bad match. It is unfortunate what happened with Finley, but um, yeah, yeah. So uh, Briscoes get the win here. Um, Post match, uh, they get the mic. Uh, Jay gets the mic and he calls out the Gorillas of Destiny and um, officially challenges them for a title versus title match for the G1 Supercard in New York April 6th and this uh, will transition us into the news and it's been uh, confirmed and made official by Ring of Honor and New Japan officials that at uh, G1 Supercard the Briscoes will do battle with the Gorillas of Destiny with both set of tag team titles on the line. I guess my real question is, when Joe Koff had that sit-down meeting with the delegates of the IWGP, what that was really like, with just him on one side of the table and then the entire IWGP committee on the other side, that must have been a very interesting meeting. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But ultimately... They came to the decision that these, um, you know, two teams needed to 
battle and go head-to-head so we can see who the true number one best tag team in the world is. So we're going to wind up with, hypothetically, double champions. Um, G.O.D. Or, I'm sorry, yeah, G.O.D. has never held the Ring of Honor championships. However, the Briscoes have held the IWGP Heavyweight Championships in the past. Um, And whoever wins this will sit atop the tag team wrestling world because they will be the champion of both divisions. Yeah. And, you know, I I do think this matchup is a little weird because they are two of the top heel tag teams in their promotions. So it's kind of weird having a heel versus heel, title versus title match. That's weird. The other weird thing is that I think that the Briscoes are incredible. I yeah. think they're an incredible tag team. I don't think G.O.D. is. No. I think they're capable of having very good matches when necessary, if with the right opponent. But I don't, I'm not confident that the Briscoes will pull that out of them. Especially given the fact, like you said, that they're two heel tag teams. Yeah, it's yeah, it's going to be a weird dynamic, and it's just I, I just don't see them as a good um, opponents for the Briscoes. Um, I did hear um, somebody throw a suggestion out. What do you think about them making this a ladder war? We know the Briscoes are, are infamous for the ladder wars in Ring of Honor. Could that spice this matchup? Well, I thought that the, I thought about that, and who did you hear say that? Uh, I can't remember now. You know, that was going to be my suggestion, and I am not online, and so I thought that was a totally original thought, but I guess everybody probably is thinking of that. It's going to be Super Card of Honor, the G1 Super Card, quote-unquote, but it's it's Super Card of Honor. Mm-hmm. They always do a, 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 ladder, a war. ladder war. Um, also, keep in mind, and you and I discussed this before the show started, that during the 17th anniversary... The Briscoes have a title defense against um, Villain Enterprises. Villain Enterprises, the team of PCO and Brody King. Those are two guys that you gotta imagine are gonna get onto the MSG card. Hypothetically, could there be some sort of storyline avenue where we end up with a triple threat match? It wouldn't be the first time that two guy, two different teams that were destined to have a big match on a big show. Wound up with a third team shoehorn. <laughs> yeah. Um, as yeah. I alluded to earlier, so I mean, and again, it wouldn't be the it, like the same way how inserting the um, young bucks into the Wrestle Kingdom match made it a better match. I have a strong feeling that if they inserted PCO and Brody King into the match, it would make it better. Oh yeah, I'd be all about that. Turn it into a ladder wars. You've got a classic on your hands. Oh yeah, especially with PCO. He's he's going to be out. I'm worried about PCO, dude. I don't want him to get hurt. He's like a I can only I can only imagine the bump he would take in a ladder war. Oh my god, <laughs> it, it would be yeah. I'm really worried. PCO is not human, bro. He's not, so you shouldn't be worried. Also, speaking of PCO, if you guys want to go back into the archives, since we're mentioning archives, we do have an interview of PCO on this network. Um. One with actually two. We have two interviews with him. Yeah, we do. One with Wilfred, and then one with Grumman. Watch this shit. So, um, yeah, both very good interviews. So you would definitely want to check those out when you get a chance. But um, I think that there's a. I have a feel a strong feeling that the people booking this show are looking for a way to to work their way to a ladder war. Mm-hmm. Maybe we're off base. Maybe they're just gonna do well, a straight up tag. Yeah. 
But you got to imagine that whoever wins this match is going to wind up the tag team champions of both divisions. And I just have a strong feeling that they're not doing a double count out or a double DQ or a time limit draw. Yeah, I think we're going to get a... Cl- I think we're getting a clean finish. Yeah, we're going to get a clean winner. And yeah, one of these teams are going to be, yeah, the champions of both companies. Although they could always do the Josh Smith special. I've always had this idea that you do a match where when two titles are on the line, you have guys on each side pulling, and then they both fall back and they wind oh, up... Oh, with... if it's a ladder match? I've never seen it actually happen, but yeah. I've always thought that this booking could happen. I'm not saying it's good booking. Yeah. I'm just saying it could happen. <laughs> where one guy's got one title, the other guy's got the other title, and then they fall back, and they, they wind up with different belts, and then that's how you book it. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if they did something like that. Yeah, so yeah, we'll we'll see what happens here. Actually, I would be surprised if they did something like that, but I would be like, oh, that's my booking. That's what I've always <laughs> wanted to see happen. Um, and like we mentioned, this title versus title match uh, opens the doors for potential other title versus title matches. Um, Cobb and Osprey could be one. When this happened, I thought about a few months back when you and I were starting to think about working on... Um, Fantasy card. A fantasy card. We both had like kind of booked a six-man tag versus six-man tag match, which is something else I think could hypothetically happen as well. I don't know. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll see. So, first official match here announced for G1 Supercard of Honor. Um, we have a question here from Mr. ACP. ACP. He says, it's a common talking point among NJPW critics that a Western expansion will not succeed until New Japan begins releasing the cards for their show sooner. My question is simple. How would this be possible without spoiling the prior shows? Case in point, the MSG show, we know we now know a couple matches on the card, most notably Jay White defending the IWGP Heavyweight Championship against the New Japan Cup winner. How on earth do you announce this match without spoiling New Beginning and the New Japan Cup? I've yet to hear any solutions to this dilemma, just the same tired complaints. I have to pull up this. I have to pull up the notes that you've provided me with so that I can uh, follow along because this is a pretty intricate, intricate question. Yeah, and here's here's what I would say to it. Um, I think there are ways to start announcing stuff for a show without spoiling um, shows that are building up to it. They. From what I've been hearing, they knew for quite some time that they wanted the IWGP Championship to be the main event of this show. They could have said, you know, obviously this tickets went on sale like November. They didn't have to announce it then. But I think in January, they could have came out and said, you know, Madison Square Garden, get ready. The IWGP Championship will be defended no matter who the champion is. I agree. And so it doesn't matter if it's Kenny Omega. It doesn't matter if it's Hiroshi Tanahashi. It doesn't matter if it's Jay White. You know that the IWGP championship will be defended. I I do want to say this. Um, Mr. ACP is not entirely wrong when it comes... And, and actually, he's right a lot of the time. So I want to give you props. Um, I think we should start treating ACP like SCU. Like ACP, ACP. <laughs> <laughs> but um, 
You know, you're right. In especially in this case, you know, um, the idea being that the winner of the New Japan Cup is going to wrestle for the IWGP title. I think Jeremy brings up a great point that you could, they could have hypothetically told us about that a long time ago. Well, actually, they didn't even say the New Japan Cup stuff. If they just said the title would be defended, and then later, I'm taking it a step further. Yeah, though. I'm, they, I'm yeah. saying that like. <laughs> If you if they knew that there's not going to be a Sakura Genesis and there's not going to be an invasion attack and that the winner of the New Japan Cup is going to wrestle the IWGP champion, you don't have to say it's Jay White. You don't yeah. have to spoil anything. All you have to do is say the winner of the New Japan Cup is going to wrestle the current IWGP champion. Yeah, in Madison Square Garden. And now you know what would have been interesting about that. That would have added an extra wrinkle of intrigue. To Tanahashi, to Tanahashi and Jay White. Instead, you know, we kind of had to surmise these um, assumptions on our own based off the schedule and based off of what we knew of things. Whereas they could have marketed it and maybe made more money off of it. The other thing too is that, um, you know, is it possible to release a card without spoiling things? Yes, it is in some cases because guess what? They have had cards – here in America, where, like, for instance, what was the last American show, aside from these ones with the uh, with the visa issues? Was it, it was the Cow Pal show, right? Yeah. Remember, like, out of an eight-card show, six of the matches were things that had nothing to do with the storylines happening in New Japan? Right. They literally could have given us the majority of that card. And when I say us, I don't mean, like, us, I'm talking about the people buying tickets. They, they really could have. And in fact, the main event, they could have given away without spoiling anything. Um, if I'm remembering correctly, what was it? Was that Cody and Omega? Oh, you know what? I'm not... It, you know what? It was not the um, Cow Pal show. Let me backtrack. You know what show it was? It was the show that they Young did. Bucks vs. Golden Lovers? No. The, the last one they did in L.A., it was a tag match with um, Okada and Ishii against... Oh, against Golden Lovers? Yeah, against the Golden Lovers. And again, that was a match that had nothing to do with too much with what the stories were that were going on either. They could have announced that way ahead of time. Yeah. There are... It's case by case. There's not always a scenario where there are some times where they have to protect storylines and things like that. But there are times where if you're a smart booker where you can um, release either a portion of the card or all of the card if you book it correctly. Um, it's not one way or the other. It's right. not that the whole thing has to be secluded or the whole thing has to be released. There can be middle ground, especially since I think we – on this um, podcast have been critical of this and it's not because we're trying to bury New Japan or think that they suck it's more and I don't think it's a tired complaint it's that the bottom line is more people buy tickets if they know what they're actually buying and so it is incumbent on New Japan to actually take it upon themselves to release some of those cards yeah do it in a way that protects the the cards that you have, you know, the storylines that you have going and protects what you've been doing up to that point. You know, do it in a smart way. But don't hold off on everything the whole time so that nobody knows what's happening because it's a case of diminishing returns. Mm -hmm. And there is no denying that it is a case of diminishing returns. 
they keep coming back to the same market time and time again with cards that are perceived by hardcore fans in that area that maybe these are not authentic New Japan cards. Whether that's true or not, I think we on this podcast have been very uh, vocal proponents and fans <laughs> of the cards we have gotten. But the people that are attending are like, these are not real New Japan cards. We're not getting the big New Japan matches. We're getting like U.S. you know talent. We're getting a bunch of like Ring of Honor guys, that's, a bunch of Gaijins. That's oh. the complaint. And people are buying tickets thinking they're getting New Japan. They're not sure what they're getting. And so it goes both ways. Like, yeah, ACP, you're right in the fact that like how can they release the cards without um, you know, spoiling things. The other thing, though, you have to remember, we know many of the matches for, say, Wrestle Kingdom ahead of time. And why is that? Because they work it into the storylines. Right. Maybe there's a way you can work some of these cards into the storylines. And that was something I mentioned last year. I was like, they need to do, like, Gato needs to, they need to plan out when these U.S. shows are going to be and just weave them into the storyline. Because it, it almost felt like these U.S. shows kind of popped out, out of nowhere and were, like, last minute. And they just kind of like, oh, we got to throw something together for these shows. I could also see the argument where people would complain. They're like, oh, well, we know what's happening way way ahead of time. So there are times where you can't make everybody right. happy. Um, hopefully some of these answers um, answer some of the questions that you have, Mr. ACP. I, hope, I don't know. Um, and also I think, too, a strategy they can do – I think it's a lot with like evolve cards because normally. Oh yeah, I was going to touch on yeah, that. That's a great. That's I know exactly what you're going to say. That's yeah, a great idea. yeah, because Gabe they normally they normally run back to back shows like Friday, Saturday, or Saturday, Sunday, and they announce the full cards and you'll you'll see two evolve title matches and you're like, well, how can he do that? It's simple. He says if Fabian Eichner is the ch- remains the champion, he will defend against Shane Strickland the next night. You know it's card subject to change if, yes and the and the, the card will change based on if, if there's a title change on night one then night two it's a different title match yeah and you know what a lot of old school promoters used to do that and that that's really uh, a really smart way to book things and then you wind up with the same matches but the implications but uh, as a as far as like titles go changes based on what happened on night one versus night two I think that's another – that's exactly what I thought you were going to say, and that's a great point to bring up. And I think that New Japan in America could benefit from go, you know, going that route as well. Yeah. So ACP, great question. And that is a great question. And um, I don't think there's a simple answer to any of that. And I hope that we don't come off sounding like we have all the answers because I think I've said many times I'm not good at this whole booking thing. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but I think that ultimately it is important on some level that they announce the cards sooner as opposed to waiting several days ahead of time because ultimately it's about making money. And I think it's really hard to make money here in the States without telling people what you're getting. Yeah. That's that's my big concern is like I want New Japan to be successful and how can they be if they don't tell them – they don't tell the fans anything. Yeah. Um. So next thing we have on the rundown here, the full card was revealed for the 47th anniversary show. Um, so just going to run through these matches real quickly. Do you want to run through them or do you want me to run through them? I mean, I have it up, right? I got them up too. Oh, go for it then. Let's just do it simultaneously. All right. No, I'm just playing. You go. All right. You want to you go back back and forth or? Um, 
No, you got it. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so, at the opening match, we got Ren Narita, Shota Umino, Ayato Yoshida, Toriyano, and Togi Makabe Woo! taking on the Bullet Club team of Hikaleo, Chase Owens, Tangaloa, Tama Tonga, and Bad Luck Fale. I can't wait to see Hikaleo back in action. <laughs> uh, then we got uh, Toa Hanare and Yuji Nagata against Yoshihashi and Tomohiro Ishii. Bro, why? Why? Why do we keep getting Ishii and Yoshihashi? It's a new, it's a new chaos dream team, man. It's a nightmare team, is what it is. Uh, oh, but we are gonna get Hanare and Ishii, so that's gonna be interesting. Yeah, that'll be great. Um, third match, we got the return of Dragon Lee teaming with Risuke Taguchi, Tiger Mask, Honma, and Satoshi Kojima to take on the Suzuki Goon team of Taka, El Desperado, Yoshinobu Kanemaru, Taichi, and Minoru Suzuki. In the fourth match, we have the IWGP Junior Tag Title match, Sho and Yo challenging Shingo and Bushi. Then we have the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship match with Jushin Thunder Liger defending against the Bone Soldier. Taiji Ishimori. Then we have in the sixth match, there's the anniversary day special six man tag team match. And it'll be Hiroki Goto, Kazuchika Okada, and the ace Hiroshi Tanahashi taking on the LIJ team of Sonata, the King of Darkness Evil, and Tetsuya Naito. And then the main event of the night. We have the never open weight champion, Will Ospreay, facing off against the IWGP champion, Jay White, in the anniversary day special single match. Uh, during the Honor Rising shows, they mentioned Will Ospreay calling out Jay White for this matchup. Yeah, I know Chris Charlton had said some stuff about that. Yeah, so it's official. We know normally on the anniversary show, there is a normally some kind of special champion versus champion usually it's a junior champ versus a heavyweight champ last year we saw will osprey and uh, okada face off in the junior champ versus heavyweight champ match but here we're getting the never champ versus the heavyweight champ uh, in a rematch uh, that happened in ring of honor when jay white was on excursion there where they had a four and a half star matchup so i'm i'm looking forward to this um anniversary card and i'm looking forward to osprey and jay white jay white him and Will Ospreay, like you said, had a four and a half star match in the past. That seems to be the ceiling for Jay White. Jay White is now the four and a half star savior. Man, what a low to be at. <laughs> this this guy sucks. Bum. Four and a half? You gotta be kidding me. He's never had a seven star match. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh man. So yeah, we're gonna give our full predictions for that card next week but since it's out we just want to announce it um and we did have a question here from reddit user dom homie 101 he says since dragon lee is wrestling at the anniversary show do we see him challenging for the iwgp junior heavyweight championship at msg i think the bigger question is you know with we've been we got a question last week spec asking us to speculate about the return of Hiromu Takahashi, I think we had kind of speculated that maybe the appropriate time for him to return, especially based on the updates and the percentages he's been giving us, that maybe he returns at MSG. And it's very curious that Dragon Lee is randomly on the anniversary show. Yeah, this is completely random. Right around the same time that um, 
given the trajectory of Hiromu Takahashi's health updates, he's going to be at 1,000%. Hmm. Yeah. And, you know, Dragon Lee did mention when Hiromu was healthy that he would want to wrestle him. He called him out several times during the Fantastic Mania tour. Yeah, so and this... This is the feud that will never end. Yeah, so, I mean, Dragon Lee, their team could win, they could go over, and then you have Hiromu come out. Yep, Hiromu comes out, challenges him, they wrestle at MSG. Hiromu shoots on that man, breaks his neck. Then Dragon Lee's out for another year. Then next year we get the ultimate match between them once they're both healed. From their broken necks. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So, that is the uh, 47th anniversary show. He's, he said, also, what are the chances that we see the team of Osprey and Tanahashi challenging? Oh, that yeah. was. Yeah, I think I copied that twice. I think we uh, we answered that earlier wow. uh, about Osprey and uh, Tanahashi. Botchamania. Yeah. Man. Put, call up Matthew and get me get get <laughs> me on Botchamania. So, we did get the New Japan um, Cup participants revealed earlier uh what was that today yeah earlier on monday uh, i believe they came out at a uh, 3 a.m eastern our time so uh, i will run through those really quick but we also got a very surprising um, announcement rocky romero tweeted out that mikey nichols you may also know him as what was his name in- nick miller nick miller. from tm61 and nxt the mighty don't kneel also from his Noah days is set to return. He was released uh, a few months prior from his NXT contract and he's going to be debuting in new Japan pro wrestling as part of the chaos stable. Yeah. Which I did not know was still a group. Yeah. Chaos is still a thing, man. (laughs) (laughs) So um, they announced the, the, the dates and the participants for the new Japan cup. Um, The, New Japan Cup is double in size this year. 32 participants with four blocks. So I will run through them really, really, really quick. So um, we have on the first night, Nagata versus Ishii. Yes. Also, uh, Hanma versus Taichi. Uh, Nakanishi versus Yoshihashi. I didn't think I'd see Nakanishi in another one of these ever again. And Juice Robinson versus Chase Owens. My God, that's going to be a match of the year candidate. Dude. Oh, my God. That's going to be great. That's going to be great. Night two, we've got uh, Kazushika Okada taking on Michael Elgin. They always produce money. Um, We have Mikey, who I'm guessing is Mikey Nichols. Yep. Taking on Leo? Hikaleo. Oh, wow. That's weird. Yeah, the big man. He's a, he's in the he's in the cup. What a task! <laughs> <laughs> um, on the same night, we have Will Osprey taking on Bad Luck Fale, which I'm like, is he gonna Stormbreaker him? Like, <laughs> bro. <laughs> um, Hinari versus uh, Lance Archer, and then on March 10th, the C Block, we have Tana versus um, Shota Umino. So Tanahashi is taking on Shota Umino in a singles match. Dude, this is going to be a great showcase for Umino. We also have Hiroyoshi Tenzan taking on Dave Finley. Um, if he's able to go, that is. Yeah, for that separated shoulder. Uh, we also have, this is a big one, guys. Kota Ibushi versus Tetsuya Naito. Two of the favorites of the entire tournament going head-to-head on the very first round. Yeah, these are two of the favorites to win. This, 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 can, this is a bracket buster. We also have the rematch between Evil and Zack Sabre Jr. to round off that C-Block night. 
And then we have the D block. I don't know what, like A, B, C, D. That's probably wrong. It's probably A on the first side and then B on the second side, but whatever. I'm going to mm-hmm. call it D anyways. Uh, Togi Makabe taking on Colt Cabana. That's going to be weird. Yeah, Colt in the cup. Um, Toriano against uh, Davey Boy Smith Jr., a rematch of, I think they've actually wrestled. In the New Japan Cup before. Multiple times yeah, in the New y- Japan Cup. Yeah. Um, Satoshi Kojima taking on uh, Minoru Suzuki. Let's go, Kojima. Let's go. Uh, he's definitely getting heel hooked. <laughs> nah, man. This man Kojima is going to go out there, hit that Koji cutter, get this bum Suzuki out of here in the first round. <laughs> You're crazy. Calling it right now. That's not happening. <laughs> what? He's going to take that elbow pad off. Western lariat. Look <laughs> at that man Suzuki in the corner. Hit him with the machine gun chops. <laughs> oh, it's going to be beautiful, man. I'm dying. He's going to get Gotch Pal Driver and it's going to nah, be over. Nah, bro. Why are you saying no? You're acting like this can't happen. This is definitely what's happening. The final match of the night, uh, Goto versus Sonata. So Sonata's definitely winning and that's about it. So, um, yeah, man. The first four nights look lit and they're back to back. 8, 9, 10, 11. Yeah. Yeah, this is going to be intense. Um, it's like a mini G1. Yeah, and I do want to say that you know we are going to do our second annual New Japan Cup Pick'em Prediction Contest. I want to like impose the DJZ like, bah, 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 <laughs> like right there. Yeah. Like every time you say like the contest, I like do Ba-da-da. yeah the sound horn. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, we're doing our contest again. Um, um, I'm going to be creating this. There's a site where you can create a bracket and you can fill out your bracket and you'll be able to take like a screen capture or download it and you will email it to me. Um, I'll put out a separate post later on this week once I get it all completed. Um, but with this contest last year, we had a lot of people enter. Um, the prize this year, the winner will get a Keeping It Strong style t shirt. Oh, wow. So those are, you know, the. I want to win. <laughs> I don't have a I don't have our own shirt yet. I think that the winner should get a kimono. Winner can get a, a keeping a strong style shirt and a kimono of their choice. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so get ready, start working on your brackets. I'll put the link out um, later this week on how you can fill out the brackets to enter that contest, um, and we'll see what happens. I believe um, friend of the show um, Kyle Moore's won the bracket contest. Last year, we'll have to ask him. I I'm pretty know. sure because that was the first contest we did, and I think that's that wasn't. Way. Remember, we did that one where we gimmicked all the reviews. Oh yeah, yeah, he yeah, yeah, that. yeah, 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 yeah. You know what? He didn't win this because the the person that won this lived in like oh that's right, it was Singapore. A, yeah, it was like international. Yeah, yeah, that shipping. Or, yeah, it was it that, was that, far that, away. that shipping cost. Yeah. Um. So yeah, man. International show. Yeah. No big deal. So, yeah, everybody come and get ready to enter this contest when you a uh, free T-shirt. And we had some questions revolving around New Japan Cup. Uh, first from Zack Saber Time. He says, uh, do you guys think Ibushi beats Naito, loses to Okada in the finals, and then we get Naito versus Ibushi at MSG for the Intercontinental title? It's a very specific question. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, I will say this. Um... Abushi Naito, man. So we got to touch on this. Apparently, they, for the first time this year, not only are they expanding 
the field, but they are allowing the for, the the current champions to be in the tournament, which is awesome. Yes, this is the the biggest New Japan Cup there is. Thirty two men, all the singles champions. Uh, those of you that they are they didn't do it on one night though. <laughs> oh my gosh! WrestleMania four, they did it on <laughs> one night. Uh, the fans new to New Japan, and this is your if this is your first New Japan Cup. Traditionally, it's a sixteen man block, and all single champions are not in it because the winner. Um, gets to choose which champion they challenge, but allegedly, but every year they always they choose. Always challenge the, the IWGP. IWG why wouldn't you? That's like you know reminds me of like when they did that the NXT contest and Loki won. He got he got a title shot of any choosing, but he ended up challenging for the IC title. Like why wouldn't he challenge for the WWE title or the World title? Like his name was Caval. <laughs> <laughs> Get uh, it right. Oh my gosh. <laughs> But yeah, you know, I I do think Naito versus Abushi in a title match, IC title match, I think that is a possibility. No, I think that's a possibility. But um, I'm not gonna give away my official. Yeah, you're asking us for our brackets, um, Zack Saber time. Not until next next week we'll reveal our brackets and our predictions for this thing. We're not that kind of show. We don't just give it up right away when you <laughs> ask for it. You got you gotta you know. You gotta finesse us. <laughs> You gotta go out and buy a shirt from us. You know, you gotta wine and dine us. <laughs> Just want us to give you all of our picks. Yeah, right. Uh, but that is a good question. Thank you, Zach. Save time. No, but I'll tell you what. I would love to see anytime Naito and Ibushi are gonna go head to head. I always want it, and I'm gonna be at the MSG show. So do I want to see Naito and Ibushi live? Hell yeah! Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I do. So. Uh. Uh, Dom Homie 181, he says, with the New Japan Cup bracket out, what are uh, some upsets that we could see? Thoughts on Shota versus Tana? Well, I absolutely think Shota Umino is going to be uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi. That makes total sense. That's going to be the first major big <laughs> upset of round one. Oh, my gosh. Also, I'm sorry, Dom Homie 101, um, that's a great question. We had a listener. I just want to point. I just want to throw this out there. We had a listener a few weeks ago. Mention how we made fun of his questions two weeks in a yeah, row. Yeah, it's a Twitter user at 91 Reasons uh, You Lose. But he said he was just messing with us. Oh, he was? Yeah, yeah. Because I was going to say, we do that to everybody because we're just trying to have a sense of humor. We actually appreciate your questions. And if we make fun of your question, it's not that we think your question is stupid. It's just that we are stupid. <laughs> we are stupid. <laughs> um. No, but yeah, that's a great question. Um, as far as upsets that we could see, I think we should hold off on that till next week when we do our predictions and reviews of the New Japan Cup. Um, but I think we can give our thoughts on show to Umino and Tanahashi for sure. Yeah, I mean, we've been seeing Umino getting these big uh, singles matches. I think this is going to be a real a great uh, chance to showcase Umino here. And I think it'll be a great one of his last matches before Excursion. My big thing is Tanahashi, torn bicep, broken down back. Knees. Terrible knees. You know, the bad neck. This guy is broken down. I don't know that he has a chance against a young Dynamo against like Shota Umino. I mean, this guy is on the way up. Tanahashi's on the way down. I mean, he just got killed by Jay White. Don't be surprised to see Shota Umino just job this hey, guy. We saw, you know, with Liger, you know, a pinfall can happen at any time. Umino can slap, I, slap he, on that La Magic straight all. 
I could roll you up, brother. Yeah. Yep. The Juice Robinson. Yeah, the Juice Robinson special. You can get rolled up. How mad would you be if your name was uh, Kushida and you saw Shota Umino beat uh, beat Tanahashi? Dude, how mad are you if you're Kushida and you see that Shota Umino's in the New Japan Cup? <laughs> I don't think he'll care about that. <laughs> but if he beat Tanahashi, I'd be. If I was Kushida, I'd be pissed. Yeah. Speaking of which, where is that guy? Uh, I don't know. You know, there's a uh, a tournament that started on 205 Live. Where, oh, where, God. Where the winner gets a shot at Buddy Murphy at WrestleMania. Um, the full bracket for that tournament's not out, so Kushida could be one of the special entrants in that tournament. All I think about when I think of 205 Live is that was the former home of Enzo Amore. Such legends as Enzo Amore. Uh, hey, they're doing some good stuff on 205, man. That's what they say. I don't know if anyone's seeing it, but that's what I, I watch it. Uh, you know, <laughs> Clive, Clive on from Ricky and Clive. He's Mister Two Hundred Five Live. Yeah, he does the reviews for Social Suplex every week, putting out the new vape every week. Yes. Um, so next question comes from a boy, Rich Lada. Oh God, he Let's says, skip this one. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought about that, Rich Lada. You could go to hell. <laughs> Hold on, let him ask his question first. <laughs> why Why does Gato love knocking out someone in the top four consistently in the first round of the New Japan Cup? Why do you love questioning Gato's booking when he's the best booker in the world? Rich Laddie, you can go to hell. <laughs> Three times in a row. <laughs> you know, I forgot about it. I forgot that we said that two weeks in a row. Oh my god, three weeks in a row. <laughs> It's gonna be our gimmick. This is a new bit. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! Um, you know why he loves to do that? I don't know. He's Gato, and he's a great booker. Who are Who are you to question Gato? When have you booked a seven star match, Rich? <laughs> I, I was doing a gimmick where I was pretending. Who are you to doubt L Dandy? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, nah, no, but seriously, someone uh, definitely. I mean. With the whole thing with Abushi and Naito, someone's getting knocked out. I, you know what? I think the main reason in this particular case why it kind of makes sense is because it's going to build to something else. And it's like if you keep all the top guys into the very, very end, less opportunity for other guys, plus title holders have less. I, I'm assuming the title holders probably get knocked out pretty early. Yeah. To set up future title matches. Potentially, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I don't want to say that because Zack Saber Time was trying to ask us to give it up, and I'm not that kind of show. <laughs> uh, yeah, you got you got to work to get your glitter. Uh, I give away my glitter. <laughs> uh, Zach Porter, he says, do you like them switching to a 32 man bracket this year? Can you see any plausible upsets in the first round? Do you think Elgin's going to be a bracket buster again this year with a laughing face? <laughs> You know what? Last week someone asked us about like our underrated matches that don't get talked about. I forgot, and I really wanted to mention it last week. Elgin against Ishii. Oh, yes. From that New Japan Cup first round. That and their match from the G1 a few years ago. Both of their singles matches never get talked about. And they're both incredible. Um, and I thought the match last year was like... Maybe the most unheralded five-star match I've ever seen in my life. And I still think it's a five-star match. I don't care what anyone says. But yeah, um, no, I don't think he's beaten Okada. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, so I see what that that laughing face is about. Um, I think we should talk about upsets next week. Yeah, we'll do upsets next week. So what about the uh, the thirty two man bracket? I over love 16? it. I love it. The only thing I'm upset about is it's not happening on one night. WrestleMania four, Macho Man Randy Savage went through a thirty two man bracket at the Trump Plaza in Atlantic City, New Jersey, and he won it all. And how long were those matches, and how good were those matches? Ricky Steamboat versus Greg the Hammer Valentine is a very good match on that show. What else? Ricky Steamboat versus Greg the Hammer Valentine. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I like the 32-man bracket. Uh, you know, the more the merrier. I like the champions being in there. I don't know, though. At the same time, it's like I kind of like it, but it's like, man, it's a lot of wrestling to watch. I'm not like Jeremy. Jeremy be watching wrestling every night. I, I'm having to change my priorities. I'm like, all right, I guess I have to start watching wrestling every single night. Yeah, dude. I would say, you know, 95% of what I watch is wrestling. Yeah, Jeremy, like, I came home the other night, and Jeremy was watching New Girl, and I was like, oh, you're on season one. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that's good, bro. I'm glad you're getting into this. Yeah. I mean, I, I've always loved New Girl. I, I, I never. I, I, yeah, I do, too. I've never watched it from beginning to end, so... I have. It's really good. Have you seen The Umbrella Academy yet? I have not. You need to check that. You'll like that. Okay. You need to check that out. Um, Alright, so moving on to the news. Uh, Tanahashi, Okada, and Naito have been confirmed for the NJPW Royal Quest in England. Uh, the New Japan Twitter made a little fun at the visa issues and said, you know, good news, all three men have their visas for this show. Thank God. Um... How do you feel about the IWGP champion not being one of the guys advertised for this show? I feel fine. Because at this point, we don't know if Jay White will still be the champion. For all we know, one of these guys could be the IWGP champion. The other thing, too, is Jay White, if he is the champion, he doesn't have to go to England to defend that title. He's a super important guy. He can hold off like how many how many times like what what are, with the claws like how often do you have to defend your title oh what the IWGP title was it 30 days Is every it? 30 days that's like most companies that's most companies but I don't think that's in New Japan there's been there's been months like more than one month in between title range he's fine he doesn't have to go to England <laughs> to defend his title he can go to Cork and do it why does he have to go to England he's Jay White he can do whatever he wants he's great <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, that that was some complaints or some jokes I was I was seeing. Oh, are people really complaining about that? I'm not complaining, but there were some jokes like, you know, oh, they're like, oh, they're not advertising. Yeah, you know, Jay their, White, Jay was supposed foreign to, ace. yeah, he's supposed to be the you know foreign ace top star, IWGB champion, but he's not advertised for the Royal Quest. Just wait, guys. Um, pretty next. pretty soon he's gonna be on that four and three quarter star level. And you're, <laughs> you're gonna feel sorry. <laughs> Um, Kota Ibushi um, had a translated interview from Chris Charlton um, talking about why he uh, chose New Japan over AEW. Um, he said, uh, the second I went, that would be the end of my wrestling career, I thought, Ibushi began. What I realized, talking to AEW, was I really don't care about money. AEW said that ju they just want me in their ring in some form. The ideal for them was for me to move to America and be there full time. 
I turned them down just after Wrestle Kingdom. If I went, it would be the end of my career. There wouldn't be anywhere else to go after that. No step up. Nothing left to do. That would be the last step to make, and after the things would just go down. Great money, but I want to keep developing. Well, <laughs> it's pretty interesting because, you know, if you think about it, think about all the guys that went to, like, who were in very similar situations back in the 90s that went to WCW. Where did they go after that? Nowhere. That was, like, their last step. Yeah. He might have a point. Yeah, then he had some uh, further comments. He said, uh, Kenny Omega wants to change the world of wrestling. I think to change the world of wrestling, New Japan is the best place to do that. That's where he and I differ. I can do all that here. All the places I've been, NJPW is the highest level. I really want to lay my cards out and, show, and shut down what about Ibushi talk. Osaka was that chance. The Ibushi Institute is on hold. I'm exclusive to NJPW. This is the last decision I will make in my career. I'll end my wrestling career in NJPW. So he says. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, that's interesting. Those are really interesting comments. I actually hadn't heard any of that. Yeah, and he's uh, he says his top three desired opponents in New Japan are Jay White, Okada, and Shingo Takagi. Those are not Chris Jericho's. <laughs> main desired uh, opponents but um yeah man that's pretty those are interesting thoughts yeah we had a question from uh, Rambone's Rambone Slam Pig he says do you think Ibushi signing a contract makes Naito getting a run with the top belt less likely do you see a run for Naito in the cards in the near future I still think they should go with Naito but I do think that it is less likely with Ibushi signing a new contract. Doesn't mean it won't happen, but when you have more options with guys that might be perceived as bigger stars who've never had the opportunity, they might go with the new guy. Yeah. He's the new toy. Yeah, shiny toy syndrome. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I definitely think Naito should. Like, I agree with you, Naito and Okada, they should run that back at the Dome. Uh, but yeah, Abushi signing a contract throws a wrench in things for Naito's plans. Um, so in other news, uh, Will Ospreay versus Pac ended in a 30-minute time limit draw at Rev Pro High Stakes. Um, the two will be teaming up at the Rev Pro show in New York to face off against CCK. I heard great things about this one-on-one -on -one matchup. Uh, I've also heard bad things about this one-on-one matchup. Yeah, it's, I need to see it with my own eyes. So do I. I haven't had a chance to watch it yet, but I, I'm hearing, you know, I'm hearing some people saying Pac is being lazy. Um, I've heard people say five stars. I've heard people say overbooked. Yeah. So very interesting stuff, though. But um, I don't know why they only went thirty minutes to a time limit draw. Back in my day, they used to go <laughs> sixty, brother. Uh, well, maybe there will be a sixty-minute draw in the future. Maybe they'll pull a CM Punk hey, Samoa Joe rivalry. I'll tell you one thing. That Rev Pro show, I really wanted to go to it, but like Osprey and Pac against CCK is not that appealing to me. I mean, That's I'm, my hot take. Like I'm kind of like, eh. Yeah, I mean, obviously a Pac versus Osprey match could have been better rematch. Uh, Osprey and Pac against anybody, just a singles match on WrestleMania weekend, other yeah. than CCK. I don't want to watch them wrestle CC. What? That's Chris Brooks and John Gresham. Yeah. 
that doesn't do much for me. I mean, I'm just excited to see Pac. That's like a live at the cockpit type of like match, like yeah. not WrestleMania weekend. Uh, other news: Liger will be replacing Will Osprey for OTT Scrappermania show on 315 at Dublin National Stadium. He faces off against Sky Davis. Osprey had to pull out this show because he's going to be in the New Japan Cup. Chris Jericho noted that while he and Gato are on the same page, New Japan management has not talked to him about a new deal yet. So, keep your eyes open on what will happen with Jericho in New Japan. Uh, we had the Giant Baba Memorial show recently. Um, I, I, I actually listened to the podcast that... Um was on Wrestling Observer with Fumi and what's that other guy's name? Uh, yeah, I'm slipping my head, my mind right now. I forget as well, but it was a really good podcast. They kind of did a rundown of what had gone gone on with this, and um, yeah, I, I definitely need to catch this show. Yeah, the big main event was Kento Miyahara and Daisuke Sakamoto. They defeated uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi and Yoshi Tatsu. Obviously, pinning uh, Yoshi Tatsu there. Um, after the match, uh, Miyahara cut a promo um, saying, you know, how great it was that he got to uh, wrestle Tanahashi. You know, Tanahashi is one of his idols, and uh, that he was wrestling at Tsuma Hall with Tanahashi, and both him and Ta- Tanahashi did their uh, catchphrases together. Uh, so we had a question here from Reddit user Eater of Bread. He says, Did you guys catch the Giant Baba Memorial show? If so, what do you think? And do you feel like it could lead to further collaborations between NJPW and other Japanese promotions this year? I have not caught it. I have not caught it either. I need to... Although, they did upload all the NJPW-related wrestling matches from this show on New Japan World. So that's there now. So if you want to catch those those matches... I don't know what the presentation's like if they're showing the stuff afterwards. I definitely want to see the um, Abdul the Butcher... Uh, Stuff you know, the, like the the presentation and the ring with him and all the legends, and I want to see the stuff with that Noki, which I don't think they're gonna be showing on New Japan World. So I want to see the whole show, but I haven't seen it yet. Yeah. So what about co- collaborations between NJPW and other Japanese promotions? This Hell year? no. <laughs> Josh is saying this with a straight face. It's not happening. Uh, Don Homie, want- <laughs> no. Um, to kind of elaborate on that, it's I, you know I'm all about collaborations, and actually I don't know if you've heard recently about the rumors of a potential coalition between several New Japan. Uh, I'm sorry, New Japan, several Japanese promotions like Big Japan Zero One, Noah. If I'm remembering correctly, there's several different companies that are talking about having, um, like. A, a big coalition where throughout the year they do big shows and include talent from all three companies. Um, maybe DDT was one of them. I'm trying to remember. But, you know, that's kind of where it seems like the rest of Perezu is going. New Japan has been very exclusionary because they're so much bigger than everybody else. Yeah. There really is no upside or benefit to partnering with any of these smaller companies. I don't want you guys to think that I'm saying they shouldn't do it. I love crossovers. I love it. And I, I would love to see guys from all Japan and different companies like that work to work with New Japan. But And create like a super card. 
but they're just not gonna do it. They don't need to. They, they don't, they, there's no business reason for them to do it. It's not gonna move tickets or, or you know, long gone are the days of UWF versus New Japan. Like that's you know, the All Japan New Japan matches from the early 2000s. That stuff's just not gonna happen at this current time. Yeah. Um, I think that we could see certain legends. Um, it did seem from what the, what I heard about the show, it seemed like they were building to a potential um, match between Kojima and... I'm trying to remember who it was. I'd have to watch again. They, they were saying that there was a tease between Kojima... Maybe it was Junakiyama? Hmm. During one of the tag matches where they seemed to have heat with one another. Guys like that... I could see, you know, crossing, you know, guys like Suzuki, guys like Nagata. Mm-hmm. But as far as like working together as a, as companies, no, not not really, no. Uh, Dom Homie 101 says, what are the possibilities of a Tanahashi versus Miyahara one-on-one match? Um, they say that Tanahashi is the one in 1,000 talent once in a lifetime. The chances and possibility of a Tanahashi versus Miyahara match are one in 1,000. It's never going to happen. <laughs> um and that's the next question is about that too. Uh, Twitter user at Twitter ain't shit. He says, "Do you guys think Tanahashi versus Kento Miyahara will be one of the Wrestle Kingdom 14 main events?" I heard Kento was pushing for a one-on-one match versus Tanahashi. You can push all you want, but if New Japan doesn't think you're a star or see you on that level, and don't get it twisted, they would. All Japan has had a great year, but like, they would really have to be putting. You know, they always say like, "Put me on." New Japan have to be putting Kento Miyahara on. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. I mean, Wrestle Kingdom fourteen. I I feel like they're gonna use their own guys for those main events. That that's like speculating. Is Kento Miyahara like a Y two J level talent? A guy you can bring in from the outside to move the culture. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm sorry. I love Kento Miyahara. I've said it on this show so many times how much I like Kento Miyahara. I love the guy. But he's not moving the culture. Yeah. He's a super talent, and he's like Tanahashi Jr., but he's like only really known by like Perezu fans who are in the know, who are diehards. Your average wrestling fan, they don't know the guy. So I really don't think that's ever going to happen. Unless Tanahashi's just like, I want to go to All Japan and do a favor and yeah. wrestle a guy. Yeah. Um, but I don't think the guy's coming to New, New Japan. Japan. Yeah, I would love it. I would love it. Like I would love it, but it's not happening All unless right. they poach him. Yeah, they'd have to poach him. All right. So we had a few off top off topic questions here. We are running super long on time, so I want to hold those questions uh, for next week. Uh, and we'll touch on those. So we're gonna wrap things up here. Uh, Next week, we'll be back with a preview and prediction show for the 47th anniversary and the New Japan Cup. Uh, Be on the lookout uh, later this week for the the bracket contest for the New Japan Cup. Uh, Make sure you connect with us on social media, on Twitter. I am at Jeremy L. Donovan. The show is at KI Strong Style. You can also follow us at Social Suplex. On Facebook, we're facebook.com slash social suplex. You can also join us in the Wrestling Squared Circle group. Facebook.com slash group slash wrestling squared circle. On Reddit, I'm the pro black guy. Josh is keeping it strong style. You can also email me, jeremy at social suplex.com. 
Check out all the other shows on the Social Soup What's Podcast Network. On Sundays, we have One Nation Radio, hosted by Rich Lada and James Boyd. Mondays, we have the Omega Luke Podcast. Wednesdays, we have Ricky and Clive and the our show dedicated to independent wrestling. Grown Men Watch This Shit, hosted by Jeremy Tate and Chris Bryan. On Fridays, we'll be debuting a new show called NXT, Then, Now, and Forever, which will be hosted by James Boyd. A um, symbol of excellence. Yes. In uh, Saturdays, we have All Things Elite, hosted by Floyd Johnson Jr. and Jordan Fox. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a rating, and review. We will catch you next week on Keeping a Strong Style, the ace of podcasts. Ichiban. Thank you for listening to Keeping It Strong Style. We'll see you next time. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.